Talk about life. Hello, hello. Welcome to Creatively Relating. I'm Viana Novis. And today's episode is a really personal one. I sat down with my ex-husband and partner, Darren McGee. Many of you know him as Real Fun Wow. And we discussed how divorce helped us go from a really unhealthy, emotionally and psychologically abusive relationship to the healthiest dynamic that we've experienced in 10 years together. This was a really hard one for us, for both of us. And I can imagine it was particularly tender for Darren. I know it was. We discussed it before we started recording. And I'm really, I'm proud of him for showing up and and doing this not just this episode for the public, but the work that we've been doing privately of repair. And I'm really proud of what we're creating and what we're attending to and how we're growing and evolving as individuals and in relationship. A lot of our experience is not in this episode and will probably never be things that we talk about publicly. And a lot of what's unfolding here is what we're still living into. We don't have an end, a resolved offering, because this story is still coming to life. So this is where we are in this moment, and we're working really hard to stay in this moment and it is work (laughs) as two people with history of trauma and uh together and outside of our relationship it's a lot of work to stay in the moment and that's where we are so right now in this moment we've chosen to continue calling each other partners we are living in separate houses which is amazing. We've been together for 10 years and we have lived so much life together and really been on top of each other. I mean, you'll hear it in the episode, but we've lived in really interesting situations that have been very small. (laughs) And for us to have this space now is incredible. We're both absolutely savoring the opportunity to go to separate homes at the end of the day and sleep in separate beds. It's really amazing. And uh, we're, we see each other every day. We have a, a three-year-old together. We have family dinners every night. We have family time on the weekend. You know, we, uh, we're living, I think, really beautifully in this moment together, um, taking care of our family and attending to the hurt and harm 
that was caused in our relationship on both sides. And I just want to give a few shout outs to some people who have influenced that because if you're in a situation where you're kind of lost for how to navigate, um, I, you know, I don't have answers. We all have to find our own answers. I cannot, and we cannot, Darren and I cannot be, uh, your guide. If you're in an abusive dynamic, you know, our story may, um, be inspiring and I hope that it, you know, will help you assist you in feeling like you have choice and you can create a situation for yourself that you may not see reflected out in our culture. And ultimately at the end of the day, we all have to find our own answers. And transformative justice has been particularly impactful for me in the process of finding my own answers and leading in this uh, experience, this repair experience with um, what it is that I hope for and what it is that I'm moving towards. Um, transformative justice has really impacted my mindset on repair and what that means. And some people who have been particularly impactful for me, um, one, Mia Mingus. I took a workshop with Mia Mingus about apologizing last year, uh, utilizing transformative justice to create an impactful apology. And it was absolutely radical. And it really impacted how I showed up in this process um, after Darren and I filed our divorce and how I moved towards taking accountability for my own actions. Uh, and and um, one of the things that I really kept coming back to, which is a layer of nuance that I was really struggling with um, in terms of, you know, experiencing abusive behavior and then also feeling like, well, I want to take responsibility for my contribution and how do I do that while holding the nuance of um, accountability? What does accountability look like? What does that mean? Um, you know, how do I hold both of those things to uh, be responsible to my own actions and also um, create an atmosphere where I'm not bypassing the harm that I experienced? And there's a particular quote from Mia Mingus that really impacted me in that workshop where she said, giving an apology is about being the person that you want to be in the world. And that really supported me in turning towards apologizing for exactly my percentage of what I contributed. And I mean, maybe not exactly because of course it's subjective, but recognizing that an apology is not saying that there was not harm that I experienced. It's not saying that that harm that I was ex that I experienced is okay. It's saying that I have responsibility as well as a grown adult in the situation, and uh, I desire taking accountability for that. That is the person that I want to be in the world. I want to be a person who takes responsibility for their actions and the impact of their actions and how that contributes to harm. Uh, another person who's been impactful for me is Adrienne Marie Brown, and uh, they have a few books out. They're a mediator working with transformative justice. Um, they have a, a small book called We Will Not Cancel Us. It's really fantastic. My copy has so many flags. It's like 80 pages, and every page has like three tags. <laughs> it's so good. Um, they also have a book out called... Uh, pleasure activism. 
And I have not finished this book yet. It was recommended to me from a friend who said that it's just kind of exactly my flavor of writing. Um, and just the little bit that I've read into it, it's so good. Um, and you can follow Adrienne Marie Brown on Instagram um, and Mia Mingus on Instagram. Mia is at Mia.Mingus and Adrienne Marie Brown is at Adrienne Marie Brown, spelled A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E-M-A-R-E-E-B-R-O-W-N. And one more shout out to our amazing divorce mediator, Liz Rose, who will be a guest on the podcast in the future. Liz really approaches divorce and the process of mediation with such a holistic perspective. It's very empowering. It was such a gentle, graceful experience. And it created a foundation for us to really move into this work uh, of repair because we we didn't create more harm in that process, in the process of getting divorced. Liz really supported us in being heard and having our experiences validated and also um, continuing to move the conversation forward and focusing on what was most important to us, which was, of course, um, our child and creating a healthy dynamic for them and a secure life for them. And um, we were both easily in agreement of that. So Liz really helped us create the foundation for this level of relating that's unfolding at this moment. And um, I'm just so grateful for you, Liz. And I look forward to having you on the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, if you have any takeaways from it, I would love to hear about it. We would love to hear about it. You can either call in at one 233 5283 or you can email us at at gmail.com. Share what comes up for you. We'd love to hear it. And if you enjoy the show, you can support the show because this is a listener-supported show. That means your contributions help make this content possible. You can support on Patreon at patreon.com slash Vianna We gather every month for a live meditation together and a live Q&A. There are weekly offerings, including creativity exercises, writing prompts, and lots more content to support your creative expression and developing relational wellness in your life, utilizing your creative expression. So come join on Patreon. $3 a month is the entry point you give based on what you have access to. Whatever you have to give, if it's $3, $5, $20, $50, you get access to all of the content I have to offer. So come join. It's a lovely community all over the world, and it's really fun to get to meditate together and drop in once a month. And if you don't have the finances to support at that at this time, that is okay. You can support the show for free in many ways, and it really does make a difference. You can follow me on Instagram at viana.novis. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Spotify. You can share episodes with a friend. Hey, that word of mouth shit is the best way to get the word out. So if you have an episode that you love or that really impacted you or that made you think of a friend, 
please send it to them. Let them know that you enjoy the show and you think they'll enjoy it. And of course, you can leave a rating. You can leave a review. That only happens on iTunes, which honestly, like for those of you who have listened to the show a bit, like you know I'm not tech savvy. Uh, and I didn't know how to leave a review for a while on a podcast. You have to use the purple podcast app through iTunes. That's where you leave a review. Spotify doesn't have that feature. You can't leave a rating or a review on Spotify. So that only happens through the purple podcast app on iTunes. So if you're feeling confused about that, like I was, that's how you do it. Um, and you might need to download that app if you don't have it, but that's a, those are free ways to support the show and it really makes a difference. So also make sure to hang out to the end of the show to enjoy the segment called Creatively Exploring, which is your opportunity to digest this episode through your own creative expression. So hang out to the end and enjoy that. I hope this episode is impactful. I I hope that in some way we can inspire you to move towards that which feels overwhelming and really scary in your life with some sense of power and autonomy. I really believe that in order to change culture, we first have to make the change within ourselves and within our intimate relationships. And I see what Darren and I are doing and what we're working towards in our home, in our family, in our relationship. This is a seed This is something that I hope to see grow in the world. This is the world I desire creating. One where repair and accountability, personal responsibility and agency is honored, upheld and uh, something we lean into. And I know we have a long way to go collectively, but we can each start within ourselves and within our most intimate relationships. And it will trickle. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the show. Darren McGee. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm extremely uncomfortable to be here. (laughs) Me too. Um, All right. Well, we're going to start the episode. Your name, pronouns, anything you want to share about who you are, what you do, where you're from, anything that you're arriving with today that you want to let people know is informing how you show up. Um, I'm a very, very nervous Darren McGee. I go by he, him. I live in Ojai. I'm an artist. God, I'm so nervous right now. Um, I hope that it dissipates a bit throughout this, but um, yeah, just feeling a lot of, a lot of emotion in my body. What are you feeling? Like, what is the sensation in your body? It's really nervous. I get really just flooded with a huge amount of fear and apprehension and, and like creating a story around what people are going to think of me. And, and I hold a lot of stock. I put a lot of stock too much into 
what people are going to think about me and, and it, this fear of, of having the inability to um, express who I am in a cohesive way that, that really encapsulates my true essence and, and this fear of my communication skills, my language skills not being just sufficient enough to, to let, to have a listener walk away with a sense of who I really am. Cause I mean, I don't even know who I really, really am and who are we really, really at any point, you know, that, that changes so much. And so, you know, to, to have this encapsulation within this time of this recording being the presentation of people to people who, of who I am, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. And I mean, one, I'm, I'm, here to support your fullest essence as much as possible coming out in this show today. You know, it's not like me against you. It's us doing this thing. Um, and this show, one of the things I come back to often and has been mentioned in many episodes is I'm changing, I'm growing, I'm evolving these ideas in six months will change and evolve as I do, as will all of the relationship dynamics and everything that's being presented. Nothing is solid here. Everything is changing. Does that mean I have to come back on at another point? Sure. <laughs> you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, why am I here? Why why did you have me on as a guest? Well, you're the you're the one that in, initiated. Did I? Yeah. What you don't remember hell? that. <laughs> No, I don't remember that really? at all. I totally thought this was your idea. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. No, you were like, we should talk about this. We should like tell people what's going on. Oh God, what I a think bad this idea. Is... <laughs> <laughs> and then I was the one that had the big emotional release about it. And I was like crying and I was like, I'm not ready. I'm, I don't want to do that. Do you remember? That was like the conversation in the living room over here. And I was sitting in the Danish I chair. I mean, the thing about the thing, I think the thing about all of this and is what contributes to my fear around this is, is my, the, me, the hard drive of my memory gets wiped clean with the slightest jostle, the slightest emotional um, heaviness. Everything gets shaken up like an etch-a-sketch and it gets erased. And so oftentimes I feel like it's tough for me to, to really hold and embody accountability because I can bear, and I don't want this to sound like I'm excusing anything, but it is oftentimes like, I don't remember that. Like my, my ability to just kind of erase whatever was traumatic and, and whatever my, my triggers and my, my fear response is, is, is just like overwhelms my mind. And I oftentimes, I mean, that's, and we've, you and I have talked about this, this inability to, to, um, to keep agendas and keep schedules and to do lists. Like I have this bad habit of keeping, trying to keep everything in my head and it just, and fortunately my life is such where I don't have a lot of um, obligations around meetings and, and all these things. Cause otherwise I'd be, I'd be screwed because it just, it's, it's in, if I keep anything in my head, it, it just, it kind of falls away. And so just you, I don't remember that. I don't remember us being in the living room, honestly. Wow. Yeah. And I obviously don't remember this being my idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, how does, I mean, how do you hold that? Like, how do you hold that today? that, um, the forgetting, I mean, it's, it's, you know, without a doubt, it's, it's, um, somebody had said something a while back. Um, one of my followers talking about this idea of ways that we develop, um, these habits or these, these ways of protecting ourselves as maladaptive superpowers. And so in a way, 
of course it's in a way it's of course it's protective and it's going to help me to not remember things that were traumatic because why don't hold those in my mind but i do i do as i learn more and more about myself i do feel like you that you know me saying that it's erased from my hard drive it's still there it's still saved in my body in my in my my own consciousness and so it's not as if i'm not being affected by it uh you know physically or even you know still emotionally even if i can't recall it it's still there and and i think when i when situations where i have the time and the and the space to to really work through it which you know is through various means and having been seeing a therapist for a few years now and and starting to kind of find my own spiritual practice and and ways of of having my own mindfulness practices is that you go, oh, it actually is there. It's just not, it's not in the, 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 it's not on the desktop. It's saved deep in the hard drive somewhere. And so you bring it up and there it is, you get to relive it again. But certainly it feels like it's, it's been a, something that's protected me for a really long time. It's made me um, not have to face things, to not have to, to work through things, to just forget it and as if it didn't happen. And then, you know, to, to your credit is in within our relationship is you've been one who's always, been the one who's like let's bring this up let's work through this let's let's get i keep using kind of a computer analogy but i think it's apt to just like you know let's open the file and let's see what's true and what's you know what can be edited or what can be changed or what can be um what can be added to it to to correct it spell check it you know the whole (laughs) just the whole thing around being um let's open it up and take a look at it when i'd rather just bury it deep deep in a in the subfolder somewhere yeah and i mean i think that's both of our trauma responses though you know, because like for me, I go to hypervigilance, mm-hmm. right? And and my trauma response has kicked me into overdrive where, you know, I get I get really revved up. I get really, um, I get really fast. Um, I want to like talk and process through things. And that is also a function of trauma. You know, it's not to say that processing through things is always trauma, mm-hmm. right? Because it has to happen. But I mean, it, it has to happen if we want to heal. And the way that I have navigated that has been my trauma response. And so we were both on opposite ends of the spectrum here with our trauma responses. Like, I think that this is the biggest thing when I look at our relationship, like 10 years together, so much life, like it feels like we've lived 10 lifetimes in those 10 years. Every year was jam packed with so much going on. And in that, I just see like, I see you and I, and who we are as being like very compatible people to be in each other's lives. And then I see our trauma responses and they're in conflict all the time. And we have like the opposite mechanisms in our trauma responses. And we've been incredibly under-resourced over these last 10 years. We've been, I mean, just moving so much that there was no sense of stability or no solid ground. And I think that both of us have been in these hyperactive states of, of trauma. Like our trauma responses have just been flared up. I mean, my trauma response has been flared up my whole fucking life. It's just in this moment now where I'm starting to feel a shift and I'm starting to see and understand what it means to actually not be operating from that place. So I have a different lens now. But I can see how our trauma was just constantly banging into each other and causing so much pain. And the way that we navigated 
a lot of what went on in our relationship was from that. I'm just trying to keep myself safe. It wasn't us relating in the moment as adults. Mm -hmm. It was us defending ourselves as children. And that's where I think all the fuckery happened. Mm -hmm. That's where all the pain happened. That's where all the trauma happened, you know, is that we weren't the adults in the room. We were children who were scared. And instead of seeing each other as another person, another whole person, it was like, you're a problem. You're the source of my pain, right? And like, we've both been doing that to each other. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 welling up right now just just imagining the the decade of 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 like you know little Darren and little Viana and feeling like who who is who's the adult here who's 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 here to take care of us who's here to tell us it's okay and 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 there wasn't that person and there wasn't that person for ourselves and there wasn't that person for each other and so we had to just kind of react off of each other and. Oh, wow. It's, it, I mean, it's, I just, you know, I, I feel, you know, simultaneously so regretful for, for my behaviors and so grateful to have lived through that and to be on the other side now and really have a clear sense where I can now look back at that as something that we experienced and, and see it. I mean, just you putting it in the words of the way you did it. I mean, I, I never, I can never anticipate an emotional response, but sometimes it's, it's like something is said so clearly in that, that the picture of us as just floundering little kids with, with no one there to, to, to guide us is, is it's, it makes me really sad and happy at the same time. Yeah. Same, same. I mean, I feel so much compassion for what we've been through now because I feel like I'm an adult now. Mm-hmm. I'm becoming an adult anyway. Like I'm, and it has nothing to do with age. You know, it's choice, and it's it's a it's a maturity that I don't think everyone experiences. It's not about you grow to a certain age and then you know you're an adult. This is an emotional maturity that I don't think many people have the opportunity to get to. And I think that this, like what we've been through, has been the opportunity for that. With all of the pain of our relationship in the past, we were life rafts for each other, you know? We got out of, I mean, look at what we came from, you know? And look at where we are. Like, we were in that together. And that's like, nothing will change what we've been through, you know? It's like, the and I, and I say that with like the beauty of that like the beauty of that because the pain of that is changing the pain of that we're attending to but the beauty of that is like we 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 chose i think on some you know kind of cosmic level we chose each other because it was like we had we had the little twinkle in our eyes that was like i'm getting out i'm getting out of here and by like getting out of here it's not like a place right it's the trauma it's the trauma. It's the like, I will not live this life traumatized forever. And I think we had that twinkle and it was, here we are living it. You know, I, I know that I could not do what is being done right now with, with anybody else. Mm-hmm. Like I, 
I struggle for even grasping it mentally, like articulating it feels so far from my ability, but even understanding how uh, every part of who we are is what has allowed this dynamic in this moment to come to fruition. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like to, to also for such an emotional podcast, you really should have tissues <laughs> available for your guests. <laughs> or I should have brought my own. I don't even think I own tissues. <sighs> um, just reflecting back around the times that I would feel levels of resentment and feeling like I don't want to do this. I don't want to be put through this. I don't want to be, I don't want to have to face this, all these like very petulant emotions around wanting to escape it as it being something that's really like scary. And it's making me, you know, the, the pain of, of, of evolving and getting past it and, and recognizing that, 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 um, manifested into resentment and now looking back at it as like immense amount of gratitude for, for to just, I mean, it's, I think it's, pretty damn impossible to be in that moment and say like, I'm so grateful for how fucking resentful and, and shitty I am. And, and like being like put in situations that pull the worst out of me and make me, make me be a terrible person. And so it just, you know, with perspective and hindsight to look back and to, to see it as something absolutely incredible and not at all like, you know, I, I try to live as much as possible in my life without regrets. And I think that it comes, it only comes from moments in your life where you're extremely grateful for where you are. And like you just said, like, well, I'm really grateful and I feel really good right now. All of that shit was what got me here. Yeah. You can't discount that or, or write it off as anything other than this is exactly what got me here. Yeah. And I mean, just this, you know, this last week I was processing through some, some of the like, emotional trauma and also the physical the memory of the physical pain of almost dying and just like so much of that of of what was mine in that time and what was our relationship in that time and how how much damage was done to my body and my mind and my spirit and just you know there was just an immense loss in that time because I almost died I mean there's just loss you know and I was processing through so much of that and I had the moment where you know there's like the two sides of my brain there's there's the adult we'll say and then there's the the wounded self which in this moment wasn't entirely a child it was like part child part like almost adult Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and then there's the like grounded centered essential self adult and uh that wounded self was like like look at all the things like I was basically I was at this point of um making the choice of like I'm not going to believe this old story anymore and then that wounded self you know in in self-protection came up and was like you know that's ridiculous like if if you don't believe this story like you're setting yourself up to be hurt again and like look at all the things that have happened and like you know and it was like cherry picking Mm -hmm. moments right and that's what that's what our brains like it the intelligence of the trauma response to do its best to keep us safe, which it works really well when we're children and then terribly when we're adults, Mm -hmm. you know? But I could see the mechanism that's cherry-picking moments. And then that mature adult self came in and is like, yeah, honey, look, look, look at all the things that have happened. Don't, Don't get stuck a year ago 
come come to this moment mm-hmm. and look at all the things that have happened. Don't cherry pick from the past to you know confirm your bias. Mm-hmm. Like actually take in and digest the reality, the full spectrum of what happened. And and it's in that moment and this is where personal responsibility comes in. You know, it's like I have a responsibility to myself to like on the most intimate level, take care of and attend to how I'm remembering my life. That's a responsibility I have. And I, I actually have a, a note in my journal here about doing an episode on memory because I think there's just so much in that. And I know it's something we talk about a bit of just like how fallible it is. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I don't really remember us talking about that. <laughs> exactly. And and I've had like such interesting moments like in my periods of silence when I would watch my memories change mm-hmm. and it like they changed within the condition that I was in in that moment. Yeah. And I could really understand, oh, like it was it was just such a clear reflection. This moment, I think this was when we were in San Francisco and I was um, in silence and I was having this memory of something that happened when I was a kid. And I remember thinking, well, how did I navigate that being in silence? And then I was like, wait, I wasn't in silence. Like I haven't been in silence my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just that clear, like, wow, look at what our brain does. It takes where we are in this moment and projects it onto that memory in the right. past. Yeah. And if that's happening, like, can we use that to our advantage? You know, instead of just getting stuck in the same cycles of trauma, can like how how can we use that to our advantage? And that is what I'm seeing is my responsibility. It's to take this self that I'm maturing into and look back at my memories and sift through and say, what is mine? What do I need to attend to so that I can be the person that I know that I am and the person that I really desire being in this world? And that person is not at the whim of trauma. That person is able to say, yes, this was an experience that I had and it shaped a lot of things in my life. And now I am able to stand up as the autonomous being that I am and utilize my will with grace and make decisions clearly. That, I mean, that is liberation to me, you know? Yeah, it's huge. And it starts here. Like that's, it starts in the most intimate places of like how my mind works that it, that doesn't involve any other person. Mm-hmm. So do you need me here? <laughs> you need me here for this? <laughs> All right. Well, that's good talking to you. <laughs> Wish you had your soundboard right now. <laughs> um, should I plug my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You but then you have to go do a callback. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it just feels, you know, Things were really hard and, and really difficult. And and I think I just keep coming back to the idea that, and, and again, to not, you know, my fear being not wanting to seem like I'm excusing anything, but to give some context, I think just, again, that, that child analogy. I mean, the fact that that like really like brought up some emotion and not that I hadn't considered before, but just you saying it, you know, as kind of a prelude to, to us going into this, it, it felt like. God, that's, that's it. Like that was it. That's so, 
I mean, to even to 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 also to to know that we've matured and also know that we have so much more to go that we've not reached full maturity or enlightenment or anything even close to that. But to at least be like, well, shit, from that point, you know, to now um, and only having gone through those things is as is what has allowed that. And I think, you know, to to feel the gratitude that I do for, for the, for the relationship that we experienced was that, you know, in, in the, all the contrast that we, we had for each other was that like, you just kind of exactly like you said of, of, I couldn't have reached the places that I have without your level of, of, you know, the, the, I don't want the pressure is the word, but it doesn't, I don't want to make it sound bad, but just the, the pushing of like, Hey, be be here with this experience this process this and and just knowing that like my natural proclivity towards towards you know independent or like soloness and, and 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 i mean just for a while i've been sitting with my arms crossed it's kind of something that my therapist and i have gone over that's like very much like the if you had to statue my my adolescence and and childhood um that's me with my arms crossed because i'm shielding myself the you know the full body language of like i'm closed off i don't need anybody you know just like this is where i feel protected this is where i feel safe and and that was our relationship and and your your attempt to, to pry my arms apart and and you know like be like be open receive this you know be open to this and all this stuff and there was just so much so much resistance within our relation or with with my in my relate part of this relationship and you know all the attempts that you made throughout the course of our relationship of 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 um empowering us and 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 um, resourcing us and doing all these things just this litany of things and that that none of it was getting through because my arms were crossed because that's where i felt safe and that's where i felt protected and to take in anything that uh didn't come organically from my mind meant some level of vulnerability or, or some acceptance that i don't have all the answers and just that the stubbornness around like no i don't want to do this and i never had a good reason to to, to say like or, or or a counter reason of you you presenting something and me being like well why don't we do this instead and that that manifested in so many instances in our relationship in in even just you know uh, bettering our relationship and also like logistical moves and 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 just all the ways that are that we we more like that we went to so many different places and literally and spiritually and all these things that you were kind of always leading the way and i was i was digging my heels in the sand and, and being dragged and to be dragged is painful and to be and and then out of that pain comes comes me expressing you know bitterness and resentment and all these really poisonous things where the whole time all I had to say was no all i had to say was no i'd rather do this and and to me to 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 have that clarity now even conceptually it's still like it's still difficult for me to 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 say no to say no thank you to 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 not to to say to not um just go along with it because it's the idea that was presented going along with it being extraordinarily uncomfortable and unhappy in all these ways that like like it just could have it, we but again it's like we couldn't have got to this place had i not dug my heels in and you hadn't just dragged me right and that's the only like it took a decade of of that <laughs> to finally like say wait a second i can say no thank you and, and it's not gonna i mean that's, that's i think we can, you can we can um, kind of parlay this into the codependency which was like something that i never even 
I mean, maybe I heard the word in the 10 years we were together, but certainly had no definition for it, had no no inkling of that's what I actually am and didn't have known that. I imagine it would have helped. But again, it's like, whatever. It, it is what it, it was, what it was. And to now be like, hey, you, you want to understand what codependency is? Look back at the basically my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> Pre- predating you as well. Yeah. Here you go. Here's yeah. the definition. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, there's so many, there's so many threads I want to pick up in that, like the visual of me dragging you and you digging your heels in. It's such a perfect metaphor and reveals exactly who is here. Is this is my couch is getting delivered right now. <laughs> um, Do you want to just pause? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll yeah. just pause. Okay. <laughs> okay um Digging heels in. Yes. Okay. So the visual, the visual of you, of me dragging you and you digging your heels in is this perfect representation of the way. How many couches did you get? (laughs) Just one couch. (laughs) One couch. One cozy couch. (laughs) Um, It, it, so it shows exactly the ways that our, um, our, we're like our trauma mechanisms were, op- were operating in opposite functions, right? That I was like speeding up and my trauma mechanism was like, I've got to figure it out. I want to do things. I got to like, what's the next answer? What's the next move? I want to go here. I'm going to try this. Right. And yours was to shut down and retreat and dissociate. And, right. So like, here's this perfect visual of exactly how our trauma functions and in these very opposite ways and then it also reveals exactly the um the level of personal responsibility that we weren't attending to mm-hmm. right because what was the solution in the situation you start walking and i stop dragging you mm-hmm. right like for me to be like oh you're not participating okay that's your choice that's your choice oh you want to be closed off okay that's fine. We can be different. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is what I'm like coming to understand. And, and I think like age is also an important factor here. Like we got together when I was 20, mm-hmm. like we've been together through my fucking twenties. Mm-hmm. Like it's the decade of growing up. It's the decade of becoming an adult. And I think it's when I look at it through that lens too, I'm like, wait, I was supposed ah. to grow up in my twenties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Well, I mean, but I kind of feel like I got a fast track in my 20s because isn't that the time where you're, you know, people normally are just in that like things are a little bit more carefree and and like there isn't as I mean, in in the way the world functions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that that, that's, you know, at least it feels like um, since you were in your 20s and I was in my 30s that there was there was um as as unintentional but or subconscious but but very prevalent as it was there was me holding you to a certain level of like be up here when you know when in fact i think that that yes i do believe that that is your your 20s should be you shouldn't be held to any sort of level of like achievement or like you know what are you doing with your life type situation it's, it's understandable that in your 20s you don't fucking know and it's fine if you're even in your 30s and 40s and 50s whatever but that that there was definitely that discrepancy and, and that's something that i that i'm that i definitely you know feel really regretful and and you know i'm very sorry that it was like holding you to and also it's just like it's not like i had my shit together 
any better that it was just this this level of of judgment or something that i could hold against you as like um yeah just a just a shitty amount of judgment to whatever to make myself feel better or whatever you know whatever the reasons were that i was doing it but yeah that's certainly you know again just to add to this to all the ingredients of like how this was kind of a perfect way to 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 break everything apart and to see what you know how you, we don't want to relate moving forward and just all the ways that that gave us so much information out of this i think definitely the the age disparity disparity was something that was really uh, um, relevant it was it was it was it was really relevant and it i can remember in the past couple of years speaking into it directly it was like i think once i got pregnant and that's when i really started to be like i'm in my 20s like, which is hilarious, right? <laughs> like, it was 26 when I got pregnant. And that, you know, I can, I, I had a business. I had been running a business for a few years at that point, right? And I, like, I built that business with the intention of giving myself a maternity leave. And I gave myself three years of pay from that business. And, you know, I, I really, like, when I, it's, it's, that whole aspect is, like, fucking surreal when I look at it. Like, I was 23 when I started that business. And I was, like, I'm going to build this so that I have maternity leave. And so for those like three years that I was working between starting that and and then getting pregnant, it was like really funneling into that vision of, of having money coming in through uh, some sense of maternity leave. And then like like all of that was happening, which is amazing. And also what was happening was I was still a traumatized child, mm-hmm. right? So it was like, I think what you saw in that time was the like you saw a chaos that nobody else saw. And and this is like this is what is so important to me about our relationship is like we well I'm just going to keep it for myself. You know me better than any other person on this planet. The things that you have a context for in my life but who I am in this moment, there's no other person who has a better story or, or understanding. Yeah. But it's interesting because I think that, that just, I I believe that because of, of the length of time that we've been together, but I also have a hard time conceptualizing it because all I can think of is I know you only through my perception, only through my judgment. So to say like, Mm. Oh, who is Viana? I could be like, well, Viana's this and Viana's that like, that's my interpretation. That's my judgment. And so I understand what you're saying, but I'm just, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling like there's a, I mean, I just think it's an interesting debate to kind of have of what, mm. what you, what someone knows of somebody else, because I'm only telling someone else what I know of you through my shit. And that's what I was doing throughout our relationship too, was I was, I knew you through my judgment right? and I knew right. you. And that's, was always the thing was you were always like, you were of course in that time finding yourself and and still to this day but but also having a, a real sense of your core essence your spirit you know through your mindfulness practices and all these things where that was always the thing that was the confliction was like you being like i know i know who i am i know who i am and and then me you know using various ways of just of of um denying that or 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 manipulating that or or uh, informing that by what I thought about you, which wasn't yeah. the truth, which wasn't the the essence, which wasn't who you are. It was it was my all of my trauma through that, and then being like, "Here's who you are," and telling you who you are, and 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 you were being informed, and you were to a certain degree uh, internalizing that to a very large degree, internalizing that, and then having your 
essence that nobody knows but you yeah being uh, this kind of shitty wallpaper job over it of like that's who viana is based on this fucking dude saying these things about and then you know and then that 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 the it's like going off in analogies here the wallpaper glue that i've put in it starts to seep into your spirit and starts to kind of like make your poison your spirit a little bit and then you've lose you've lost complete connection to be like wait no 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 i know who i am there and what's happening here what is this this insidious dripping of this poisonous glue that's coming in Oof. yeah so i don't think yeah, i that. know you better than anybody but i understand what you're saying and i know you mm. i know you you know me more intimately well i know you based on how we know each other like when you're with other people, like, and I see, I experience you in a place where you don't feel you're being judged or you can be your freest, you can be your, your, your soul, your spirit. I almost feel like I don't like, that's the one I'm like, that's the kind of the person I don't know. That's I know the, the, I know you based on how you and I react or are wow. acting with each other. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Great. I agree. <laughs> but as, um, and I haven't had that I haven't had that realization until you said that. And I know you've been saying that about me knowing you better than anybody else. And I and it's I mean, it's a trippy ass thought to think about like how what our minds are and what our perceptions are and be like nobody knows anything truth. Well, yeah, and I mean in that though, there is an intimacy that you have a lens on that no other person has seen. Sure. Yes, yes. Right. Yeah. And so maybe what's more accurate is like you know the traumatized version of me mm -hmm. better than anybody else. Yeah. Right. And way. and <laughs> precisely. <laughs> but so no, but that 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 actually confirms and like deepens what you're saying because it's like the the part of me that's like outliving my fullest self where you're like I don't really know that person. It's like yeah, because you know the traumatized me mm -hmm. better than any other person, Yeah, right? Like you have a lens on that person. And so like in this time when I had all these things that were from the outside, somebody could look in and be like, dang, you got your shit together for 23. Mm -hmm. Dang, you got your shit together for 26. You know, it's like you were experiencing a different me. Right. You know, and so and and. In, and this is this is what I think is also so so very fascinating and kind of cosmic about our dynamic is that in the ways that our trauma responses were the exact opposite, the essence of who we are is like if we can allow each other to be a little influenced by each other, it actually is like the missing puzzle piece, mm -hmm. right? So like the ways that you're like closed off and reserved and judgmental and like, I mean, judgmental, I don't even want to use that word. No, I would actually ahead. say, you can use it. it's fine. <laughs> no, I would, I would say more calculated, mm -hmm. like you're, you're, it's not, it's not a caution. It's a calculation where there's like a, um, you take a beat before you go into something, you know, it's like that for you. And I think it, it like has manifested in these more like intense ways where you're in the past. It's been like you're you're you might not even move into it. You might just retract from mm -hmm. it. You might just pull away. But um, like if I can let a little bit of that in, it actually is the like counter mechanism to my trauma. Right. And so like, cause mine is all speed and it just moves in and it doesn't take a moment to think about it. And da, 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 da. If I can take that moment to have that bit of calculation mm -hmm. and reserve, that's like the healing to my trauma response right. and like vice versa. Right. So yours is to like dissociate and, and bury and like turn away from and turn against and avoid. And if you let in a little bit of who I am it's about like turning towards and opening up and looking at and feeling into, right? And like, so do you think we've created the perfect child? 
Yes. I mean, obviously. Clearly. Yeah, right. God damn, this kid is perfection. Oh, we haven't even started talking about our kid. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I think that what allows us to, to relate you know, together now and thinking of couples who have separated and say, fuck that person. I hope I never see them again versus us is that there is that, that, that there is a, a, a value seen in, in each of us. And, and that even if it's still like, you know, on the surface, there's still some defense and there's triggers and trauma and all that stuff. I think that, um, thinking about the, the soul and the spirit, which we've, we, you and I have convened with in a ceremonial sense, many, many times where, all of those layers of trauma and, and all that inf- and that information that is um, based on this earthly experience is stripped away and we're at a place where we can dance freely with our soul and spirit. I'm talking about psychedelics here, people. Um, <laughs> that that's a place that that feels like, okay, at least we have some commonality or like a um, like we, we like wink wink have been to that space. And, and you know, I, I always trying to any i think every podcast i've ever been on i I get a chance to talk about psychedelics it's just so important to me and i think if you're in the state of mind and the in the place in your life where you can um you take advantage of it i I would highly recommend it but um, are you proselytizing right now i am a little bit yeah yeah so i just think that you know something i i can point towards point point a lot of gratitude towards in our relationship is that um that courage that we both had to to explore those places that allow you to get a sense because if I haven't, if I didn't get a, a sense, a peek, a look at my spirit, my soul, I think I wouldn't be, I mean, I wouldn't be able to present as this Darren today because I would be, I would be all my story. I would be this, and again, my arms are crossed. I keep them crossed because it's also comfortable. It's also like, I, I guess my body is, you know, the muscles. It's become, your habit. Yeah, for sure. And my leg, my legs are crossed. I'm very, <laughs> just my whole body is just shut down right now. But yeah, to, to be able to, to witness, to say like, oh, there's the Darren. There's like, and that's, the, again, that's why, you know, my, my trepidation around, initial trepidation around doing this podcast was like, I don't want to present as some fucking abusive asshole shitty person. And someone's like, that is, that's Darren where like that, that has been Darren. Darren has been that, but that's like, you know, to, I think I don't think it's fair to paint anybody with one color. It's just, we're like, we're fucking rainbows. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, okay. So there's so much nuance in, in the, um, there's so much nuance in our relationship. There's so much nuance in every relationship, right? And there's, uh, I mean, there, there are lines here. I don't, I can only speak for our relationship, you know? Like, I don't want to be anybody's guiding light through their relationship mm-hmm. if it's abusive. Like, you got to find your own answers, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, maybe we'll be an inspiration, but we can't be the light out, you know? That's, like, you got to find that in yourself, and when you're ready, you're you're ready. And if you're not ready, you're not ready. And like there's there is a timing to it, you know, because there was an unraveling in our relationship for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think both of us knew what we were it was it was just this like toxic magnetic pull. Like we that it was like we can't get out, but we don't want to stay in. Mm-hmm. You know, and in this like what we're doing isn't healthy and and yet it's still somehow like saving me from this awful reality, mm-hmm. right? Like both of those things were true, 
paradox, <laughs> like so alive in our relationship. And so there were, I mean, there were years, like even before I got pregnant, you know, it was like our relationship. I, I wanted to leave our relationship before I got pregnant. And like, that was on the table and, and it wasn't like, it wasn't quiet. You know, I was very, I was very forward with you about that and we like having conversations about it. And like, and that like, I wasn't ready though. You know, we weren't ready. We weren't ready. We needed to do, we had other things to do. I really do believe that. And like, and then I got pregnant and we had Daylu and then like everything that we've been through in these last three years. Do you think that when you say we had, we had more to do, do you take that in like a, in a cosmic sense of like, there's, there's a divine plan here and just like, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. Or or is there more of an intuitive, uh, subconscious intuition that's, or is it that we are, it's circumstantial, like it wasn't going to work out logistically and and therefore we did stay together. And, and from that there became a more healing. Cause it's like, I mean, not to say you have to have an answer cause it's like, whatever it happened, it happened. You know, you can look at it really like mystically or you can look at it real cynically a little uh, (laughs) plug for my podcast there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that's always just interesting to me to consider. Like, um, I guess when you can really see the beauty and stuff is to say like, well, how, what were the, what were these little, these little like moments, these synchronistic moments that happened that was like when you did want to leave and, and there was whatever, these little micro things that happened to go yeah. like, well, it didn't happen. And here's what happened. Now we, when we're relating way better than we would have, if you just left and we have a beautiful child together and all this stuff, that's just like, I guess it's just always goes like to take every, to try and find gratitude in all, yeah. all things that add up. Well, this is what this is what I have. I mean, I have the memory thing and story like we can tell a story a thousand different ways and it's mm-hmm. going to change every time we tell it based mm-hmm. on who we're becoming, like who we are in that moment. Um, so the way we tell this story today is no doubt going to be different than the way we tell it in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we're going to keep changing. So so there's that of like I'm looking back. And so I'm saying this from my perspective now and I'm changing it based on who I am now. Mm-hmm. And I'm fitting it into the narrative that I desire fitting wow. it into, yeah. right? So there's that. And then there's also just the like, I can remember what I do remember because I, you know, I journal often. So I I can actually, I remember a lot of my life through journaling. Mm-hmm. I can remember like, oh yeah, I remember writing this thing in my journal. And that's how I can get back to what I felt in that time. Mm-hmm. And then I can also, because I'm journaling things, like I can remember like actions I was taking at that time. So that's how I kind of try to keep an objective lens Mm -hmm. on the past. And at that time, what I do remember being acutely aware of was I have shit here. I can work it out with Darren or I can move on and start over and work it out with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And, And that's the thing I've come back to time and time again in our relationship is like, I haven't yet reached the point where I'm like, our relationship is done. We're still relating. Like we're still partners. We're calling each other partners. That's the word we've chosen, right? Is like our relationship isn't done. And the reason why I feel that is because I'm still learning, Mm -hmm. right? It's like for me to reach a point in a relationship where I'm like, this is done. Cause I've had that in the last year. I've had a very close relationship somebody who I love dearly, who was in my life for, for almost 15 years. And that relationship ended and it was done. And you know what? I, I knew it was done because I reached the point where I was like, I am not growing forward anymore mm-hmm. in this dynamic. That's not the case here. You know? And when I look at it, it's like, this is actually one of the relationships in my life where I am growing exponentially 
Like when I look at what the fuck we did in the last six months, I'm like, there isn't another relationship in my life where I've grown so much in such a short time. You know, it's like that kind of energy of uh, it's funny. I'm going to make a call to your podcast, the episode you guys put out yesterday where you're talking about this, the energy stopping Mm -hmm. of like, you know, cutting an energy short of like kind of letting things flow until it's until it dissipates. Mm -hmm. And that like to just end and to to not relate to each other anymore feels like there's this whole buildup of energy and potential and healing available to us and growth and like a return to that uh, essence self that's available as we relate to each other. And if we just chose to stop relating, we would be cutting that energy short yeah. and not letting it really live. And and I think in when and if the moment comes that our relationship is done, like there is a, we are not going to relate to each other anymore in any capacity it will be because we're not growing and because we're like holding each other back from becoming our most essential self. Right. But if like this, this for me is my guiding light with relationships. The people who I let close to me are people who support me in becoming more of myself in the world. And if that isn't happening, then it's a no for me, you know? And so like, there were moments over these last couple of months where it was a no for me to relate to you, you know, and like I have new information. I have new skills, you know, like going after these skills with James Olivia and Dr. McCabe and like relating through difference is teaching me so much about our relationship. And one of the things I don't I think maybe I said this one to you. Um, Dr. Jen McCabe posted this in her Instagram stories. This is your podcast drinking game. Anytime Dr. McCabe comes up, take a shot. Oh my God. People, people will be so drunk every episode. I reference her all the fucking time. That's great. <laughs> and I haven't even started skills yet. Like I've got another week before I'm even in class with her. This is just like through James Olivia and through yeah. like Stock Instagram. Up on your alcohol, folks. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, or your kombucha or tea or whatever the fuck you drink. Um, she said, our our preferences reveal our inadequacies. And I mean, every time I think about it, I have like a little existential meltdown. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, who am I? What am I? What's real? What's well, what you're just saying all the, that idea of like us relating to each other because there's still growth to happen. I had moments where I just I had like. During the worst of it, you know, in the past few months, I just thought, oh, my God, I'm going to have to relate to this person for the rest of my life. And it was it was it was terrible. The thought was terrible. And the thought was so uh, just like crushing. And now I'm realizing that what feels like if there's feels like um, struggle or strife, that's that's where you go. Oh, okay, well, this is the way that the universe is serving you lessons. It's gonna be hard. It's tough love. It's all these things that 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 like you know the whatever the the there's something about medicine, the bitter taste mm-hmm. of medicine, blah blah blah. But, <laughs> um, but just realizing like I could see it as this this relationship is going to drain on me and all this stuff. But that's that's coming from the cross-armed person who's just like, I don't want to deal with any of this stuff. And then to open the arms up and be like, okay, well, this person is going to be in your life for for obvious reasons with a child. And and also seeing that there's so much value that can come out of it and, and how much 
self-imposed resistance I put into it was only causing more suffering to say like you, the, the, the benefit of our relationship for me is that you do, you do are, you are constantly pushing for improvement for, for, um, for just, um, empowerment for ways to find, um, better ways of operating and, and better ways of doing things and just being a better person where I got stuck and stubborn as like, nope, I'm good. Like I don't need improvement. I've like, not that I've reached perfection, but I'm so comfortable and safe in, in where I am that why would I want to push myself into something that's uncomfortable in order, you know, with some potential for marginal growth and, and recognizing that that's, that's foolish and that, you know, you can't stop, you shouldn't stop growing. And I have these things where, where I'll create art pieces that I'll make. Cause it's like, it's a sound, it's like, it sounds good and it's nice. And then only after I like see it enough times, like a million times and I make a million things out of it where I'm like, dude, that's for you. Like I have one that says, just keep growing. And I'm like, oh, that just sounded kind of kitsch, catchy. It's kind of like just keep going. It sounds nice. It, it, it have the word, the letters of the words work out really well to design it. And I made it into hats and tote bags and all these things. And now I'm like, yeah, just keep growing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> some intelligence behind the the in the back is like, hey, just keep growing, dude. Make that into something. And then you know, two years from now, you'll finally understand that you need that message. Oh my God, that's fucking amazing. So, and just recognizing that that (laughs) growth is uncomfortable, like growing pains and all that, you know, just anything that's analog to or analogous to, to, to what grow, what comes from growth is that it's not this, there's like some pain or difficulty that'll come from it and resistance on my part, at least of just like, I don't want to (laughs) grow. Yeah. I mean that, like that, the resistance there is like, it's one, it's amazing to hear you say like just keep growing and like that's a message that you're taking in because i feel like even a month ago less than a month ago that you're like no i'm good i'm good Mm -hmm. like i'm i'm fine i'm not interested in growth and da 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 and then you started meditating Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and then you're just putting yourself into these spaces where the growth is happening and also like it's natural you're a part of nature nature is growing and dying there's no separation in that, mm-hmm. you know, every moment we're growing a little bit and we're, we're a little closer to death, mm-hmm. you know, and it's Wait, like, what? <laughs> yes, no. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, never mind. I'm going to go on Save that. Show. Um, I think that's like, it was really amazing to hear you, uh, say that. Like, yeah, that I think the perception that. was that, um, that, or the ego i mean that's my ego saying like don't we're good don't change because that means that's gonna upset the the comfort that i've you know this the ego speaking that i've established and i'm really good with where i am and there's a greater you know with with getting into i mean the idea that i would even have ever associated myself as a spiritual person people have often been like made assumptions about where I am based on what they see of my work. And somebody recently wrote, was like, are you a Buddhist? And I'm like, I don't like, I don't associate with any of this stuff mainly out of like, I don't, I'm, I'm counter counterculture. So I don't even <laughs> like to, to be lumped into something that if there's another member in the group, then I don't want to be a part of that group, but just on like a, on a spiritual greater sense of like, um, not being able to recognize my own spirituality. And I think that that's why I also, um, am so comfortable in psychedelic spaces because that ego has just been ripped away from me forcefully. And I, you know, like that, that comfort blankets pulled away and you go, here you are bare naked spirit and you're beautiful and you're peaceful and all these things that I 
fail to recognize in, in real time in my life where I'm this, you know, I've painted a story, I've created a story of myself, of mm-hmm. who I am. And that's what, you know, dipping in, dipping my toe into the, to the, to mindfulness and spirituality is like, oh, this is actually a lot more comfortable and isn't painful and isn't like, totally. and it, it also was coming from, you know, that, that, um, stubbornness and whether it's my, my, my birth sign or whatever you want to attribute my stubbornness to <laughs> was that it was difficult for me to accept that from you. And, mm-hmm. and you as my partner and you as like all these de- these ways that I that I pigeonholed you and put you into places and saw you go through myriad of, of, of um, different spiritual things and all these. And I always looked at it really skeptically and, 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 and just cynically in ways that was just like we were together for 10 years and you were pra- you were teaching and practicing yoga and meditation and all these like ways that I had easy access to have joined in but never in even the slightest moment was i like that might be beneficial to me or that that might help it was just like no i don't want to do that that's whatever that's you know and getting really fucking childish about it well it was our child selves yeah relating yeah right and i mean there's a lot in that like there was a lot of pain for me in that experience and now i can look at it differently and be like oh yeah I, I, under, I, I can remember specific moments like in the parking lot of the studio in Port Townsend, like being like, why won't you just come in? <laughs> why, why won't you come to this meditation? Like yeah. Patrick was there and Melissa was there and you know, like, yeah. I was like, why won't you just come? Stupid. And, 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 <laughs> and I remember like, I took it so personally too, sure. you know, and, but this is the thing. This is the, like, when I look back, I can see the personal responsibility is like in that moment, I took that as a personal slight against me because mm. I think it was right. It was like you had chosen a story about me and you were like, no, I'm rejecting all of this because you're the one bringing it to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it, it felt personal. And I think it was in that moment presented that way. And like the personal responsibility that I had the opportunity to take was to say, cool, you're not ready for meditation. That's chill. Like I'm going to go teach this meditation. You go do like whatever you're going to do. That's fine. Like, difference there can be difference right and so like i'm understanding that now too um and how to stand up for myself in situations like that and to say like hey if you don't want to meditate that's fine and i will not allow you to make a personal attack on me and my character because you're not interested or ready for meditation Mm -hmm. you know so like i'm learning that dynamic as well but i want to loop back to something that you said you were talking about resistance and the like the in the pain right and i think that's like something that I talked about in, a, in an earlier episode on the show, episode three about pain and pleasure. I'm, I was talking about this, like the pain is inherent in this reality, in this like paradox driven reality and suffering is optional. The suffering is a condition of our choosing. And sometimes it's a hard condition to choose to, to not move towards and I think also this has to do with habits and patterns and the ways that we're we're really our society is conditioning us to move towards suffering, right? That's the that's the mechanism of control that's like allowing the society to operate with capitalism and, and patriarchy and white supremacy and all of that. It's like, yes, move towards the suffering, right? And so it's a radical act to move away from suffering. And we don't have much map to move away from suffering. We really have to carve that out for ourselves. And that's an intimate process because it requires us to get into relationship with what our desires are and what our pleasure is and what um, our, like, yet the episode, uh, the last episode, episode seven about living a sensual life is all about living life through the senses 
as a mechanism of presence because if we're if we're paying attention to what we're feeling and seeing and tasting and hearing we're in the moment mm -hmm. you know inherently like our body is wired for presence and we dissociate we get out of our bodies because of trauma we're not in our bodies it's not safe we don't know how to stay and then we're in the society that's showing us this pathway this well-worn path this is the safe path to take i'm using air quotes that moves us towards suffering so in order to move away from that we have to learn how to get into our bodies which is a place that historically for those of us who feel trauma or have experienced trauma we don't feel safe in our bodies so we have to figure out how to get into our bodies first and then we have to figure out how to carve a path that has no direction it's just you know like it's very easy to get lost mm -hmm. in that space and so you know either just like sitting down and being like nope i'm not gonna go anywhere how about that i'm not gonna go anywhere and there's obviously there's suffering in that but there's also like um i i can look back at that and i can just be like oh that's so interesting like what about just stopping when you like reach a moment like again it's like letting your influence come in for me and me like okay when i reach a moment of growth that i'm not ready for can i just stop <laughs> Can I just sit down and just like assess the situation mm -hmm. <laughs> before I try to move forward? Like, cause, because what you didn't do in that path, I mean, I don't know, maybe this metaphor doesn't hold up. Let's see where it goes. I think that you didn't move towards more suffering in that situation. Like things could have gotten a lot worse, right? Like they definitely could have gotten a lot worse in all of these kind of fork in the road moments where mm -hmm. it was like move towards something pleasurable or something joyful or some moment of growth that's new that you don't, you know, you haven't experienced before or move towards this thing that you know well. But I mean, it's like even the decision that like we left our hometown, mm -hmm. you know, it's like um, things could have gotten harder for us and, and, and they didn't like they've gotten better. Right. And there there's some there's been some balance i think between the fact that you've been like i'm just gonna sit down and i'm not you know and i've been like i'm just gonna charge forward you yeah, know and i yeah. am and and like there's some balance in that because i needed i needed to slow down so like you kind of created this point for me to come back and keep checking in you know and then i was going forward and kind of carving out the path so now like now you're up and moving and you're like oh yeah meditation oh mm -hmm. yeah like there's a little path here for me already mm -hmm. like this isn't totally brand new mm -hmm. right and that's, I mean, that's really powerful. I mean, just like it, I'm tying in just all these thoughts around choice and decision. Well, I think it also comes back to not to, you know, to have the, to have the, um, the benefit of, of hindsight in this is to not be regretful and to say like, you, if you, if you would have stepped into that meditation room that day, look where you would have been. And it's just like, it doesn't matter. I didn't. And here we are. So it's really just like, and I think like you said, I'm just imagining that time when we were living there. I believe that was when I was managing a car wash. Yes, it was. One of the lower points of my life. And so to think had I maybe gone in and whatever, it's not worth going too far into it. But if I'd gone in there and, and had some sort of awakening or enlightenment and been like, what the fuck am I doing managing a car wash? And then it would have kicked us to like, well, now what do we do? And it would have put us back on the road and like, we, you know, whatever. It just like maybe could have, like you said, could have made it more difficult. Instead, just be like, don't 
open any awakening. Don't don't awaken anymore because you need to kind of be asleep through this managing the car wash situation. And, <laughs> and that's when I was um, when I was vining very heavily. For oh, those you were who don't remember. You were very there was a, funny. A show called Vine, or is an app called Vine where you can just present yourself. <laughs> it felt like was, a show. Yours felt like a show. <laughs> and, and so I had a, I had an outlet. I had an artistic outlet, which I think you know throughout the course of my life, anytime, and that's what kind of led to to where I am today of of got, getting pushed to a point of like complete discontent to have found an artistic creative outlet expressive outlet that led me to where i am now and so yeah i just think it's like it's not really worth going back and saying like well, what would happen if you would have stepped into that meditation room then totally yeah not at all and at one point i did go in and meditate with you guys and i just fell right asleep yeah we were doing uh, what is it vipassana no so, i think maybe we were doing like yoga nidra which whatever we were doing we were laying on the ground and yeah i think it was yoga nidra. And dark and i just was calm cozy yeah, yeah. cozy well I, okay so yeah i mean i think that's like there's, there's so much in that. There's one other thread I want to pick up about how you were talking about the, um, this is like calling back now of quite a bit. You're talking about how much, how good it feels like to be doing this now and that it's not as like, it's not as scary and it's not as painful as you thought. Like it feels better than you thought. Like that is what I'm getting into is right now in this moment in my life is I'm understanding that about trauma resolution, that it's it's been this kind of scary thing for me my whole life of mm -hmm. like, oh my God, like I, I, what I see now is that I was doing all these spiritual practices to work around the trauma and thinking like, well, maybe I can just do this stuff and not actually go into it. Right. Mm -hmm. And now I have a trauma therapist mm -hmm. and that's what we specifically focus on is trauma resolution. And it is easier than I ever imagined. It's so much less scary than I imagined. And it's bringing me that like peace, that sustainable peace that is not like, it's different. I was talking about this in episode seven of just meditation. Like I've meditated for almost 20 years now and I've been a hot fucking mess through a lot of that time. Like meditation is not the answer to trauma resolution. You know, meditation is a great tool. It's a great tool for us to be in relationship with ourselves and it, it doesn't, it's not a solution to healing, you know, it's not, it's just like, it's the opportunity to like, look in the room and be like, what's in this room? Mm -hmm. You know, you still have to go through and fucking clean it up. And that process is it, what I'm learning about that is that it hap it has to happen in relationship, you know, and so much of what I've done in my journey has been alone. And, and, and it's interesting cause like, I think we've been doing things alone together you know, like really just mm -hmm. we're coexisting, but like we're, we really like, we've always been kind of very different in our ways of being. Um, and I didn't really know how to hold that. Now I'm understanding like the beauty and the power of that. Mm -hmm. of, like, it's great. Like I celebrate your differences and I can see how much value and richness they add to my life. And having that, like doing things alone doesn't resolve anything, mm -hmm. you know, it's like now, and, and you've had this metaphor for so long of us being in like opposite camps, you know, and like looking out at each other. And I think there's in, I used to just like rebel against the things that you would bring to, right? Like, because it was coming with this closed off, like disconnected, I don't want to connect. And I was scared of what that meant, um, for our relationship. But there, there was always like a lot of wisdom in what you were bringing of like, now in this moment, I can look back at your metaphor of like, it feels like we're in opposite camps. And I was trying to be like, no, I'm on your team. 
I didn't know how to be on your team, mm-hmm. right? Like my trauma was keeping me from actually being on your team. Mm-hmm. So it was aspirational. I wanted to be on your team, but I didn't fucking know how to do that. I didn't even know how to be on my own team, right? Like I wasn't on anybody's team. I was a fucking tornado of trauma that was like trying to figure out how to be a human. Mm-hmm. And and like and also like I know that I'm not this tornado, but I don't know how to stop the tornado and like I'm causing a lot of destruction and I don't know how to stop it and this isn't who I am, like what do I do? Right? And thinking, believing that like, oh, if I just sit and meditate, I'll stop. Like mm-hmm. it was it was still a spinning tornado just now just like it, in one place. Still chaos. Mm-hmm. Still total chaos, you know? And now I'm understanding how to get into relationship with myself. I'm understanding how to get into the the depth of the trauma that I've experienced. And it's so much more subtle than I thought. It's so much more um, gentle than I thought. It's supported. The things that I'm afraid of, now I understand. Like I bring it to my therapist and I'm like, this is where I get stuck. And this is like, I just break down at this moment. And then he's like, oh, great. Like, let's focus on that and let's do some work around that. And oh my gosh, I don't have to hold this alone. Oh, like the places where I break down, where I get so scared, where I like just want to hide and shut down and cry. I don't have to hold that alone. That's repatterning so much. And now I'm, I'm choosing myself more. And so now I I have the capacity to like be on a team, you know, now, now I feel like we're on a team, but we're also like the shape of our team in this moment is very different because you and I are both still learning how to be on our own teams. Mm -hmm. So we like, it's kind of like, we're just like looking across and we're like, okay, like we're on a team and I know that. I don't know how to be on a team totally yet. And I know that we're on a team, like we're on a team for the rest of our lives, right? I don't know how to do that. So I'm just trying to figure out how to do that. And like, then maybe someday we'll figure out how to do this together. But right now I just need to figure out how to be on my own team. I think, I don't know if this is going to work wholly, but it it feels real, almost like spookily, spookily, (laughs) spookily. uh, it, it just made me you saying teams it made me think when I was in high school and I joined the football team and I joined the football team to lose weight to not actually play the game of football it, the game of football terrifies me and the, the just the physical just everything about it is, is horrible and so I joined the team use the using the exercise regimen and then was on the team but never actually played a single play and so to be like for us to be both on this football team we're not going to play in any games, but we're using we're we're bettering ourselves yes. through the team. Oh, unit. oh yes, yes. Viana snaps an agreement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that feels about right. That is fantastic. I love that tie-in. Yeah, you're welcome. That's good. It's just you know one of the things you can find from me on the Mystical Simple podcast. <laughs> I hope like on Friday's episode, you're just gonna be like, oh man, I talked about this on creatively relating, creatively relating. We're not doing an episode on Friday. Jamie's did a recorded meditation, which is even funnier that that's what we're talking about. And yeah, that's Friday's really... episode is just a, a guided <laughs> meditation from Jamie. Okay. So. Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean this, you know, this feels like to be able to, to go over a lot of these things that we've already, we've considered independently and, and have talked about together, but to do that in this space that feels like there's so, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just 
chock full of analogies and, and, and ways that we can um, still understand what happened. And I think, you know, to the, to the larger degree of what we're kind of getting at here. And I, you know, I asked you before we started, like, well, why are we doing this? Like, what's the point? And I think it was to, to illustrate the idea that because of what happened in your life previously and, and in relation that that's not, um, that's not the whole story. And it's also not it's not the continuing um, thread of, I mean, it's continuing thread, but you're, you're living independent of that and th throughout that and, and amongst that. And so it just feels like it's a, if anything, I, I wanted this to kind of be, you know, some kind of beacon of hope for people who have, who have struggled in relation and to show that if you have a partner who is so persistent and insistent on continuing to heal and to not like run away or to not sit there with their arms crossed, like if it was, if it was two of me, two people sitting with their arms crossed, it, it wouldn't work. And then also it wouldn't work if it was two people pushing. And so like, that is kind of the, the yin yang of our relationship, of our relating. And, and I always, you know, I've said, and it only came into really, um, to my awareness recently was that, that you're my greatest teacher. And, mm -hmm. and that I think teacher doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, this, like, I love all the lessons that the person brings me is like, Teachers can give you hard lessons, but if you come out of it with some some understanding and some some betterment, then that's a good teacher. Yeah. Yeah. And same, 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 same. And the lessons have been brutal, in fact. Yeah. And and brutal. And by that, I'm like, I'm thinking of the 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 moments of me sitting alone, you know, digesting things in our relationship. And it's like the moments when you weren't even there, you were still my greatest teacher, you know, like when I was in my paper sack, as James Olivia calls it, the like, when you're creating the scenarios in your own head and you're like battling with people in your yeah. own mind, you know, yeah. as like, like even in that moment still, it was like so much wisdom and so much learning. And, um, so even the idea of you was like a great teacher mm. for me, you know? And, and I love this. James Olivia says this about relationships. They believe that, um, the relationship itself doesn't exist outside of us. I have my relationship with you within me and you have your relationship with me within you. And they're separate, right? Like how you attend to your relationship with me inside yourself is up to you. Mm -hmm. And same, same. And then we're co-creating an ecosystem between us. And we're bringing the relationship that we have inside of ourselves to that ecosystem. Right. And so for a long time, I think, um, you know, with this, with the stories and perspective that you had, the relationship that you had cultivated inside of yourself with me was one of resentment and contempt. And so that's what you brought to the ecosystem. Right. And then the one that I had cultivated with you was one of lack. And that's what I brought to the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And neither of us were being aware or accountable to the fact that that's what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, the more I showed up with lack in the ecosystem, the more contempt you brought, the more contempt you brought, the more lack I received. Yeah. Right. And so it was just a cycle that fed itself Yeah. that it was just like, and neither of us were taking or even had an understanding that it is my responsibility to attend to what I'm feeling. Well, yeah, I think that speaking on the, on the kind of where, where we ended up a lot of the times, whereas we, we, we were, uh, as you spoke on earlier, we were, were massively under-resourced and, and we didn't have, or at least we didn't tap into people or resources outside of the relationship. And the thing that was always difficult for me was just like, Hey, you're, you're, um, 
you're treating me this way and it's making me feel a way let's work on it where I was the one who was doing it, who was, who was contributing this analogy and it's may sound really harsh, but it always felt, um, it felt appropriate in the, in the worst of the times was that I stabbed you and then you wanted me to be there to like, to, 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 to like help you after I just stabbed you when maybe in a scenario where God forbid someone gets stabbed, they're not going to, be like, hey, can you help me? I know you can stab me, but can you help me? Like you go to the hospital, you go to a doctor, you go somewhere right. that's like someone else is going to help you within that situation. So it always felt to me where like I got to a point where I was not operating with my fullest capabilities and was being, um, you know, I was triggered and I was, and I was, you know, in this trauma place. And, and, and so it just was like, it, it was funneling down into this really abusive behavior and treating you in a way that's like, shitty and then you wanted me to be there to like be like hey maybe you could pull some resources from wherever and be better about this and it just there <laughs> yeah. wasn't that there wouldn't that couldn't have happened and so it wasn't until we started to seek outside counsel and, and support in ways that were just outside of the relationship resource get 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 better and then be able to come back together which i mean obviously i think you've you, you're a testament to that and all the steps that you've taken and and you know Shout out to Dr. McCabe and James <laughs> Olivia and everyone that, um, I mean, I feel, you know, I haven't experienced um, them personally, but I, I have a lot of gratitude for, for how much they've brought to, to your life and, and um, the little that I've done, or even just really being out of the, not in the place where I was just being triggered and my traumas were being, you know, re-experienced that I just needed to, to step out of that in order to just be like, okay, what, like take some stock of like what, who I am and, and to not be really, really like, crippled and paralyzed with shame and guilt which was a huge thing throughout it where i just couldn't even just like the the level of paralysis and and freeze amongst everything how could i be better or how could i contribute to the to the betterment of a relationship when i'm just not only contributing to the the worst part of it and also like just this freeze this this paralytic inability to do anything that's going to make it better yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I've been using this metaphor like a lot through the repair process of like, oh, you sliced my arm and like and how bringing in the personal responsibility bit to that mm -hmm. of like you sliced my arm, right? Okay, you sliced it. I have decisions to make about how I'm going to attend to you, but it's my arm, mm -hmm. right? And like you as the person outside of me, you can you can help create an environment that will allow healing to happen. Like you can get a bandage, you can drive me to the hospital, you could, you know, come and cook dinner and clean the house so that like while my arm is healing, I can rest. Like there are ways that you can contribute to a condition that would allow the healing to happen. And it is still my responsibility to attend to the wound. I have to change the bandages, I have to clean it, I have to make decisions about where I'm putting that wound in the world. If I go run around in, in a fucking dirty field and get a bunch of debris in it, that's my responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't go back to you and be like, you sliced my arm open and now it's infected. It's like, no, I made choices with the wound that I had. Yeah. You know, I wasn't responsible for my own healing. So under, you know, having this visual, for me, I, having the visual is so helpful in, in, relationships especially mm -hmm. which is with complex emotional things having a visual sense helps me really digest it mm -hmm. and repair 
Like the word repair, there's a lot of ideas that I had about what that meant. But having this visual now and and working through a couple months with you of really getting into the um, some of the like, I wouldn't even say we've gotten to like the most tender, tender pieces, but we've worked through quite a few um, like big wounded parts of our relationship. And I understand now like the process of rehashing everything step by step is like just digging my finger into that wound Mm -hmm. and being like, look, you cut my arm open, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, that hurts me. Yeah, That hurts me. Like, and then what your experience most often is like shame, right? Like, fuck, I fucking sliced your arm open. Like, I don't, I'm sorry I sliced your arm open. Like, I didn't even realize that I sliced your arm open. And now like, that's the only thing that I can pay attention to is that I sliced your arm open. And now it's like, okay, well, you sliced my arm open. I'm in pain right now. I'm in pain. How do we attend to that? How do I attend to that pain? Is there anything that you can do to facilitate some support? And like, what's the environment that this pain and wound is going to be attended to? And there are decisions, you know, and I, and I know like I keep coming back to it because I'm reminding myself and I'm, you know, affirming it for you just to, because we both deal with codependency and struggle with that, that it's like, you get to make whatever decision you're going to make. And I am responsible for taking myself, taking care of myself in the wake of your decision, mm-hmm. right? So I come with what I have. Here's the pain. Here's what I believe I uh, will help create an environment that will be um, conducive to healing. And you might not agree with that. You might have something else to offer. You come with what you have. And then I make decisions about what taking care of myself looks like. And you make decisions about what taking care of yourself looks like, right? So it's like, you know, if I am desiring you, like I I want you to do something and you're like, no, that doesn't work for me. Then, you know, you decide to take care of yourself. And if you're, if taking care of yourself is saying no, then I decide what taking care of myself looks like. Like taking care of myself in the wake of your no at some point might be, okay, I don't want to relate this intimately, mm-hmm. right? And like there might be some distance that's created or whatever, but it's like we're responsible to ourselves, yeah. you know? And so coming into repair with that lens is so different. I'm not looking for you to do something, you know? It's not about what you do. What you do is, you know, one, take care of yourself. And I'm doing that. I'm taking care of myself. and what you have, what you bring to the room is just going to determine the ecosystem between us, mm-hmm. you know? And, and same, same for me. It's like, what does the ecosystem look like? What do we want it to look like? You yeah, know, I if, mean, that's super radical and it goes against everything that was our relationship every, and even just in, in most relationships in my life. And that, and that is still something that, you know, to hear you say it so confidently and, and, and so just really clearly. And, and it, it's something that, I'm needing to hear, you know, more and more and understand that that it's actually true. And that the idea that what my decision is that there will be a a wake in this thing that I've, this analogy that I've, I've held with my therapist for a long time was that I've always been in this little rowboat and I don't want to ripple the water. So I don't move. I don't make any decisions. I just stay still. And if, if someone, you know, wants me to do something, it's just like, it's like a very subservient, you know, just disempowered way of existing and and knowing like, okay, well I'm uncomfortable. So I'm going to shift my leg. That's going to rock the rowboat. That's going to send a ripple to someone else's and that they're going to be affected. But I made my 
myself more comfortable by shifting. And and now like that person has to be okay with the fact that I needed to shift. It's just like a whole thing. And it becomes like, it's, it's, it's really, really radical. And it's taking, it's taking a lot of like reaffirming, you know, hearing it and getting to experience it with you and getting to have real actually like playing out examples of it. And, and like, I just feel like this, this relationship in, in its, in its past incarnation and its current incarnation is, is like, is just really like emotional boot camp and getting to have to like do all these like drills and these dry runs. But they're like, there's, a, there's like a, you know, a level of safety and security now that I don't think we ever experienced knowing what the like stakes are and knowing what, where everything is. And it's a lot of like clear, a lot of the, the amount of clarity is, is, you know, immense in comparison where things always kind of just were left unspoken or I wasn't expressing things. And so there just was like, it just, a lot of things were left in the dark. And now that like pretty much everything's been laid out on the table, all of our laundry is, is out that we can really like get a sense of, of how we want it to be. And I think that that's another really radical thing around what, how we're relating is that there's a lot of um, preconceived notions and assumptions as to what you know a, 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 a couple who've separated should be and how things should be and to go against that just entirely feels you know like you're kind of pushing against some societal norm and so it's like it, it just affirms the fact that you can kind of have whatever reality you want and uh it's that's new for me and i know some people might be like yeah duh dude like you have authorship and you can like make decisions and stuff but for me it's really really new and because it means that if I want to do something, anything, if you want to do anything in life, there's, it's going to ripple the water. And, you know, and so that's, that's, you know, just, it's a new thing for me. Yeah. Like there's always consequences. It's terrifying. There's always consequences. Yeah. James Olivia has a beautiful thing around this. Like who's that? (laughs) What are the consequences you can live with? Or, Mm. or is that the right phrase? Is like, what are the consequences that, what are the consequences that you can't live with i think i'm getting it backwards now but it's essentially the sense of like when you're faced with a tough decision um what are the consequences that that are like i can deal with that Mm -hmm. compared like that if it's like if this if this happens if this train goes this direction i'm not gonna be comfortable with the choice that i made Mm -hmm. I'm going to have some sense of regret of like, I, you know, I saw this happening and I could have made a different decision. So it's like choosing the path of the consequences where you're like, yeah, I can live with that consequence. Yeah. And, and obviously we don't always know what the consequences are going to be. So, you know, we're, we're making an estimated guess. And for a lot of us, I think we make those estimated guesses based on our trauma. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's heavily biased towards this is going to be the worst thing ever. Like it's, and, and I think that that is something that I've been learning is, is, you know, every micro moment that happens, it's, it's never, ever, ever lived up to what my mind made it out to be, not even close to it. And yeah. so, yeah, just needing to like, these are the lessons that we just keep having and hopefully, you know, I don't have to keep continuing that, but, um, yeah, it just feels like this is, this relationship has, has, um, forced me in a, in a very beautiful way to, to be more, um, to stand up for myself, to be more just, there's been instances in my life where I've like, wow, I just didn't, didn't use my voice at all there. And, you know, predates you and I, and, and, and like just really, and, and I think I'm, I'm really fortunate that nothing like horrible happens, but I, cause I was put in situations where like I, if I didn't speak up, something really bad could have happened and I'm grateful that it didn't, but it, I can look back and say like, you know, you just, I, I feel like I just need to live, live, uh, or push into fear a lot more. 
Mm. And then that fear will not become fear so much anymore. Yeah. I mean, you can. Yeah. If it's what you want. I mean, just this sitting just before this podcast, I was feeling like a huge amount of fear and I created a whole story in my head of what it was going to be and it didn't live up to it at all. And it's been absolutely incredible. Yeah. And I need a nap now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think just remembering that, uh, we always, like we can make a choice and then we, we get to make infinite, infinitely more choices after right, that choice. Right. Like yeah. there isn't this, uh, finality. Yes. I mean, occasionally there is finality, but in most scenarios, it's like, I made this choice and you know what? I'm going to make a different choice now. Mm -hmm. Like we always, I, I desire being in relationships where I get to change my mind, mm -hmm. you know, like where that's held of like, oh, yesterday you said this and you know, oh, you're feeling this way today. Like there's space for you Beautiful. today to be who you are, how you are, Amazing. you know, there's one last thing I want to like bring up which i think is just it's been no, so helpful oh, okay no the human design stuff oh yeah <clears throat> oh my gosh like i just can't believe how valuable this information is I have to unbuckle my pants unbuckle. i have to pee so. okay <laughs> no. well why don't you go and i'm just gonna okay, i'll get i'll give Thank a little you. overview of Perfect. of human design while you pee <laughs> um so i don't hold so tightly to human design. I don't define myself through human design. I, I use it as a reflective tool of, you know, who am I? And then what is, when I look at human design, what's true for me? And there has been so much affirmation between myself, who I am through the lens of human design and how we are in relationship together, how Darren and I are in relationship together. And it's, there are just so many pieces of these points of contention that we've experienced in our relationship that had we had this information about human design, I think would have been so, so different. Okay. So I was just catching up a little bit. I didn't even give our, uh, our designs yet. So I'm, uh, I'm a two, four self-projected projector. <laughs> Those are all my details. Darren is a 3-6 reflector. No, a 6-2 reflector. You're a 6-2 reflector. Role model hermit. Daylu is also a 6-2 generator, which is great. You get a little fill-in. But we're all hermits. So one, that's important. Mm -hmm. We all have this hermit designation. And the hermit is like, you know, it's kind of aloof to the world. It tucks itself into its little cocoon and just like is very private and tucked in and that's a thing like I I look back at my life and I'm like oh I've been a hermit my whole life but I never really gave myself permission to be as hermity as I actually am mm -hmm. so there's that and then there's the fact that reflectors and projectors are both types energy types that don't have motors mm -hmm. so we can't really sustain our own energy like we don't have uh we need input from other people to be able to actually um move mm -hmm. you know like we we run out of energy pretty quick and because we're so open our, our energy fields are so open we take people in and so we need time to discharge we need time completely away from other people from any other person we need to be completely alone to discharge the energy that we take in from the world and it's recommended that reflectors and projectors don't sleep with other people 
Now, not only have you and I always slept in the same bed throughout 10 years, but we lived in a fucking van together. Mm-hmm. We lived, we've lived in like 50 square feet together mm-hmm. and we've lived in like tiny off-grid cabins and like multiple different like vehicles on wheels, <laughs> right? There's like, there's so many moments that we lived in these like obscenely small mm-hmm. situations. <laughs> so not only were we in the same bed, but we were literally on fucking top of each other. Mm-hmm without running water and electricity and like like all these ridiculous conditions what would it have been like to have this information yeah of like hey we are both the type of people that need a lot of alone time to discharge all of the energy that we take in in the day i'm learning that about myself now like again the trauma response my trauma had me believing that i needed somebody there to be okay mm. And I, that I like needed somebody in bed with me because I was scared. Because I mean, it, going to bed is very traumatic for me. And what I'm understanding now is like, oh, having a trauma therapist to work through the trauma so going to bed isn't so traumatic helps. And then now that I'm more stable and I can attend to my nervous system and I'm more regulated, in fact, I fucking love being alone. Mm-hmm. I love sleeping alone. I just, this morning I woke up sideways, <laughs> sideways in my king bed. And I with, was, the first thought in my head this morning was laughing, thinking about how I used to sleep in my mother's queen bed at like Deleuze age, so like three, four years old and kick her out of the bed in the middle of the night because I would take up so much space. Yeah, Like I've always been this person. I take up a lot of space when I sleep <laughs> and I love it and I feel good taking up all that space and like just all these little conditions that um, had we had this information about ourselves, had we, we under two vans so we could each sleep in our own van. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait to steal my joke, Mickey. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna go for that? No. Do you remember? I, oh, did you? I say made that, that joke the other day. Jeez Louise. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's my fault. I was like, you were, you were, you were talking about the van, and I was like, yeah, I have my van parked behind yours. Oh God. <laughs> That's funny. It's really funny. I'm sorry I stole it from you. It's really amazing. It's <laughs> oh, funny information. Yeah, I just think the human design thing has been really fascinating. Yeah. And that you're like such a rare, well, we're actually very, we're both very rare. You're like 1% of the population and self-projected projectors are like 3% of the population. Uh-huh. So we're both really rare types. We're not supposed to look to other people as like the guide or the litmus of how we're supposed to live our lives. Mm-hmm. So like, hello, us doing this right now is us, you know, living our design where we're we're kind of being the example. Um, we're not looking at what was done. We're not looking at, well, this is what happens when you get divorced. We're not holding that. We're like, nah, yeah. that doesn't work for us. And you are such a, like, you're the most rare type there and is. And Sandra Bullock. <laughs> you and Sandra Bullock. <laughs> it's only two. <laughs> that, why does she always come up when it's like famous reflectors? she's the only other famous. I'm like the second most famous reflector. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's yeah, amazing. That that's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we're supposed to look to the reflectors uh-huh. to see like how well the community is doing. This is yeah. what I understand about it. Because you're open, you're so wide open that you take in everything um, that's happening around you. So like who you surround yourself with intimately is really important mm-hmm. for you because you're going to get all of your your defined ideas about the world 
through who you surround yourself with, you're going to understand like how you feel and like you're, you know, all of those things are, you're going to get that input from other people. And with that, like with all of the information that goes in for you, when we as a community look to the reflectors, we get a reflection mm. of how we're doing, mm-hmm. you know? So it's been that that's been an interesting thing. So if people are mad at me, I'm like, don't be mad at me. It's your fault. Be mad at yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Basically like, and, and I've, I've been reading about the reflector projector dynamic and it's really interesting because a lot of it is like the projector will see themselves in the reflector. And when I look back at our, hardest moments in our relationship it was when i was like at my weakest points Mm -hmm. you know like almost dying like literally almost dying it was like one of the hardest moments in our relationship and and uh you know that whole postpartum time brutal my sense of self was almost it was like gone Mm -hmm. you know and so if you're reflecting that to me like that was a hard reflection to look at you know that was hard for me to see and i can and i can look back and i can see the things that you've reflected to me over the years were things that i didn't want to you know didn't want to deal with like you were reflecting my trauma back to me mm. before i was really acknowledging how affected i was mm-hmm. by my trauma and that was hard that was hard for me to digest and i and i you know and this is i think we actually when we look at um attachment styles you know, there's uh, securely attached people and then there's insecurely attached people and there's um, avoidant, anxious, and anxious avoidant or disorganized. Uh, that can be both terms. I have a sense that we're both disorganized attachment and that be because you've reverted to avoidance, I've gone into my anxious. But in fact, and my therapist was reflecting this to me recently about how like I chose somebody like this because I'm also avoidant. Mm-hmm. right because like you were reflecting something to me and i i wanted to avoid it i didn't want to face that thing mm-hmm. uh, and so there's there's just so much there's so much nuance there's so much nuance in all of this and like unpacking it, it, it i get confused you know i still am getting disoriented in trying to unpack and fit all the pieces together and then i come to the point where it's like and it doesn't really like we don't need to, yeah. right? Because what are we do? Like it's what we're doing in this moment that matters, right? Mm-hmm. Personal responsibility, accountability to our past behavior, and the way that that looks in action is changed behavior, mm-hmm. right? And that's what we're both showing up with. It's like I'm being responsible to myself and I'm changing the behavior that hurt you. You know, that's like that's how you're showing up. That's how I'm showing up. That's why our relationship is different. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like all the other stuff, like I don't need to understand it. I don't know if I ever will understand it all. I don't know if you're ever going to hear all the things, you know, that I experienced in our relationship because it hurts me mm-hmm. to go back and play it over and over and over. I don't want to do that. I want to attend to the pain, create the environment that it can heal in and move forward with my life. You know, move forward as a family, move forward in our relationship, like not be weighed down. Darren snaps an agreement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, I think that this is just, I mean, it's weird to like come into real time and be like, wait, we're living right life right now. Like this is currently <laughs> happening because it's been so much of like going back and, and, and 
uh, hashing through, you know, significant moments in our life and which is important. And also, you know, to take a break from it and to take a rest from it and to not, you know, just perpetually be going through that and to just be like, well, this, there's a moment right now that's happening that, you know, doesn't have to jump back and be like, well, what, what informed this moment? Why, why are we at this moment and stuff? And just be like, really just, you know, be in the moment is what I like to say as a, someone who's been meditating for a month. I'm just all about <laughs> presence and stuff. So, yeah. But I mean, but with that presence, you've been also like, I can see the way you've let new information permeate you. Like, you know, I'm bleeding right now. And last night when we were getting dinner on the table and I just like, I like ran to the bathroom and then I came back out and I was just like, and you're just turning, you're like, hmm. Collective consciousness, huh? You tapped into the collective consciousness, and which is like the, the, the thing you got from Lacey. And mm-hmm. that, like, I can not that you ever, like, it's, I don't know, you were always, you were like, you weren't, well, obviously, you've never been like grossed out with the fact that I'm bleeding. You've always, like, given me space to talk about it, but you also have been, you know, kind of a guy about it where you're just like, you know, like, I think maybe you just didn't really know what to do with the energy that I was coming with. Nobody does. No, yeah. Well, <laughs> including me exactly. as I'm experiencing yes, it. Yes. But, and so, like, that was always this kind of like contentious moment for me every month when I would bleed and I would just want to, like, lay in bed and just be like, get the get away well, from me but like hug me tapped into the yeah <laughs> tapped into the codependency part of it of like feeling like i was somehow like responsible for your for your emotions around that when i think that there wasn't there wasn't a um i mean you had a you have obviously had an understanding of it but i think what it does it has this paradoxical way of like making you throw a lot of reason out of the window <laughs> and so like just fight through that as much as you can and be like this isn't me this is the thing that happens every month and like you said why do i like forget that this happens every month and i <laughs> You know, I just, so it just, like, it's an, it's a, it's an amazing teacher and it's an amazing way for, for relationships to, to be challenged and to really see, like, um, what is mine? What is yours? What is the collective consciousness? What a, the fuck is any of this? And so, yeah, I mean, it's, and it, and it happens every goddamn month without fail. Every month. Yeah. But, like, the fact that you said that, I felt so seen. Mm. And I felt like I was like, oh, I like it turned me from the lion to the kitten, mm-hmm. you know, where I was just like, Rrr. and then you're like, oh, tapped into the collective consciousness. Well, I also didn't and I was like, like, fall into oh, shame yeah. of, like, of like, oh, I must have done something and just be like, no, this has nothing to do with yeah. this is everyone else's fault. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the reflector. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, shit, I've got these questions. You want to answer yeah, them? Please. This is my this is the uh, end every episode. So um, I'm all about it. Um, all right. This is like rapid fire lightning round. Yeah. Yeah. As lightning round as you want to make it. Um, how do you define relating to yourself? Oh, Jesus Christ. It's not lightning at all. Yeah. <laughs> you should have emailed me these last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I don't, I don't sit with answers to such deep questions at the top of my head. Say it again. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, how do you define relating to yourself? There's no wrong answer here. It's just your definition. Uh, what did the last person say? Just say what I'll just say what they said. <laughs> the last episode was me. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I think that relating to yourself is um, it kind of ties into this this definition that I um, discovered a few months ago when I was trying to kind of move away from uh, or distance myself from social media as much as possible. 
there's a book that was written that I'm, I should know the title because I reference it all the time now, but a general and a judge wrote it and it's their personal definition of solitude and it's freedom from the thoughts of others. And I feel like that is a huge part of it is, is taking, taking, turning inward and, and counting on or relying on or trusting your own intuition and your own wisdom and, and your spirit that, that feels like, um, within all that in personal information and that that's like purely relating to yourself and not like, what is someone else going to think? Or what did that person say about me when I was six that made, you know, just removing all of that information and trying to get to the purest, most uh, distilled version of yourself. Yeah. Did you just wink at me? I did, but I'm really bad at winking and that, that was, was totally unintentional. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my well gosh, that, yeah. was ama- that was amazing. That was sharp. It was a great timed wink too. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> I wish that that was intentional. It was a twitch. <laughs> it was a twitch. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. Okay. <laughs> what does creativity mean to you? I think in the same way, I feel like everything kind of comes back to to spirit, to soul, to to um, a place that's free of of influence uh, from other people, and that that creativity it should be the the purest um, expression of of your of your soul, not and, and and as little ego attached to it as possible. I'm sure it needs some some part of the ego in in the equation, but that being um, the purest expression, something that came out of you without being run through a shitload of filters and and you know the 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 collective filter of like is this good enough is this is this right and and so it starts it starts right here at the center and then oftentimes it only when it gets when the end result appears it's gone through all those filters and it's been distorted and and just and you know kind of tainted and then it's just like it's a you know it's a poor representation of what should have just been right here and uh, pushed out without being pushed, squeezed through all these sieves of, of shittiness. Mm, I have a really nice visual of like an ASMR kind of like, uh, I don't, have you seen these AMSR videos? A, am I doing this? Am I making the dyslexic thing happen right now? A- I'm not sure. I think it's AMS, ASMR. 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 Okay. Where they like, uh, I, oh, uh, I'm struggling. It's just like they're they're like computer animated, but uh-huh. they're they're it's like just yeah. this blob that yes, gets yes, sliced yes. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and they're just like or like squeezed through different shapes, and I'm just mm-hmm. like picturing that like being squeezed through the sieve, and it was yeah. a, it was a satisfying image <laughs> I wanted to share. I <laughs> not, like not I great like for that. an audio audio podcast. Yeah. to have a visual <laughs> image. <laughs> Imagine it in your mind. Okay, what one life skill do you think could dramatically change our culture if we all personally attended to it? Can you list all of the life skills and I'll pick from them? <laughs> what is a life? Just give me one life skill. I mean, to, uh, like presence right, is a life right, skill, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, like that's kind of where I was. Reading leaning. a clock is a life skill. Right. I don't know. Like there's a whole spectrum. <laughs> uh, I think like having more of an internal compass and, and trusting intuition more because I think we do so often, like you said, with a, with kind of a capitalistic um, structure set up to, to push towards pain. And then, then, there, then there's a system or then there's institutions that set up like pain relief and all these like people that are selling self-care and all these ways that, that feel like um, you, you've immediately disempowered yourself and you've immediately taken out any sort of um, belief that you can you yourself can handle something in a way. So I think that that um, having having more uh, trust in yourself and having more intuition to, to feel like it's the the right thing. And of course, 
once it leaves you and you and you get it gets met with some sort of um, critique or or advice or or judgment or whatever it, it ends up morphing to, and then you can redecide like, oh, okay, maybe that wasn't the best thing, but at least it it it's got to come like same thing with the creativity, like let it come from you, present it to the world, and then get more information based on it. But um, I think often we're just like we just completely from the day we get out, we've just been like, I don't know what I'm doing. So you tell me what I should be doing. And you do, you do know what you're doing. It's just, you, you've, you've convinced yourself that you don't. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, it sounds like trust. Trust. Yeah. Like the life skill there being trust. Yeah. Yeah. Self-trust. Yeah. 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 And I know that's really fucking tough for a lot of people. And to just be like, just trust yourself. It's like, yeah, I'd say, well, I'll, I'll go back and say reading a clock. <laughs> I, ha I have a thing around trust. Okay. Okay. So this, this was from a few years ago. Um, I was driving and I was talking to myself out loud, like having a conversation with, with different parts of myself mm -hmm. totally and normal. totally normal. Um, ooh, wow. A motorcycle just went by. That's rare. That is rare. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, one aspect of myself was like, what is trust? And the other one answered, and this is like rapid fire happening. Trust is love. And then what is love? Love is trust. And this cycle went on and uh, on and on. And like the conversation kept unfolding. What I distilled from it was if we can make one small decision in the day that's focused towards the thing that we love and cherish, whatever that is, like it doesn't, we don't need to take it to the most complex thing, like start as small as you need to mm -hmm. with like, I love this t-shirt, right? It can start there. And the more we create the, uh, feedback loop of I'm going to choose to put myself in direct contact with that which I love and cherish, we start to trust ourselves. And the more we do that and the bigger we make the decision, you know, we got to start small for those of us who really don't have a solid ground to stand on. Mm -hmm. Starting small is so important. But then as we let it unfold and we start to make slightly bigger decisions, like when you committed to your drawing practice, you know, and you're like, I'm making this choice, I'm committing to this thing that was a practice of building self-trust mm -hmm. because you made the choice, you know, this is a thing I love. I'm going to put myself into relationship with it. And now the trust building happens when you show up every day, you show up. And then after a certain point, you trust that you're going to show up to it, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like, it's a feedback loop and the trust starts within the self. Mm -hmm. And then we can offer trust to other people in the same way. It has to start small and then it builds. The more we're in relationship with people over a longer period of time, the more we experience them through seasons of life, the more we can trust them. So somebody can fall and have a moment and have a, you know, like do something shitty, but we're not like, oh, fuck you. But if I just met a person and they did something shitty, like I don't, I don't know. That might be who you, how you present. I don't know if this is a moment mm -hmm. or if this is who you are. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like it, it just, it's the same on both sides. Like the trust starts small and then it builds even with the self. Yeah. And start with what you love. That's what I said. <laughs> um, okay. What do you make space for or effort towards every day? Well, lately it's been, it's been, you know, kind of, uh, it goes against how I've been operating for several years now, but it's, it's definitely more me time where, um, I'm trying to make an effort to not go into my inbox immediately. And that, and that started with, um, just, you know, a couple, not too long ago, last month, <clears throat> excuse me, before I started meditating was, 
I would literally open my eyes, reach over, grab my phone, go through the whole cycle, Instagram, Shopify, inbox, just like getting like inundated with, with the influence of others of like, here's how my, someone's going to say something that's going to make me really happy or really upset or an email that's going to like make me really um, proud or, or, or worry me in all these ways. That's just like somebody else was going to dictate how I, how I immediately was going to start the day. And so now that's been replaced with, I wake up and I immediately sit in my bed and I meditate for 20 minutes. And then I go right into my phone most of the time, but also <laughs> trying to to be like, have some space even after that. Okay. Like let the, let the meditation integrate and just not um, like, I feel like the, I was trying to too, too soon was like, well, the meditation is going to prepare me for whatever, it, whatever my inbox is going to be full. So if it is something that somebody like, you know, is mad, whatever, it's not like people write to me and tell me they're mad at me, but something that's going to like upset me, then I'm prepared for because I just meditated. What I'm trying to do is like even create more space after that. So meditate and then do um, to work out or go for a run or do something that is still like free from the influence of someone else. Just like this is for me. This is going to better me. And and then, you know, I, I had and I've only done it once in fucking however many years now. But I had a day where I didn't check my inbox all day and the world kept turning. You know, who would have thought? But it felt so radical and so new for me. And so I want to try and push more into that of just a day can go by where I'm just with myself and I'm discovering things about myself or I'm just doing nothing. Like I haven't done nothing in so long and, and I'm trying to, to move more towards that. So I don't have these, I don't have these practices firmly in place yet, but they're, but I'm looking towards them as like, this is what you need to work towards to get to a place where you, you feel okay with just not doing anything for a day. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a, it's the trust building. Yeah. Yeah. You're starting small. Yeah. That's great. Thanks. I love it. And you're going camping tonight, yeah? Mm-hmm. Second week in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I have a tent on the top of my truck that I'd pop up and sleep in. And so, like, there's nothing, no expectations. I don't do anything. I mean, I guess that's kind of where it's at. Yeah. Not doing anything. And <laughs> yeah. And then wake up and have a cup of coffee and then come back to reality. It's beautiful. Oh, I forgot to tell you this yesterday when I was uh, driving Daylu when we were on our way to the store. They're like, Mama, we go camping with Papa? do you think Papa will open the tent? Like they were like, you know, they putting knew, it together. Yeah, yeah. They were like totally putting it together and yeah. they were like getting excited about it. And oh, I was like, Oh my God, I'm so excited that they're excited about it. Yes, it's yes. so fun. They're like totally connecting the dots now. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Uh, just a few more of these. Uh, what type of world are you creating? Mm, Jesus. Am I supposed to be creating a world? You are creating a world. You're part of it. <sighs> it's a lot of pressure. Uh, what kind of a world am I creating? Uh, well, I mean, I think, you know, personally taking, not taking things nearly as seriously. There's, there's, I've noticed I've pushed into some, some situations where I see that there's a lot of, um, and I guess, you know, rightfully so to a certain degree, as long as it doesn't push into being detrimental, but there's a lot of causes and there's a lot of like, um, things that have bubbled to the surface in the past five years that people are really, engaged in and, and, you know, taking up arms for and being really, really like, you know, putting a lot of energy and effort into it. And I think that that's important. And if it feels like it's your purpose, then go for it. On my end, it's, it's trying to, to find a place where things aren't taken, being taken so seriously that there's so much room if you can make it and allow it to find the humor, to find the, just the reverence, the, just the, like the silliness in life. And, and just, you know, I'll take one more opportunity to talk about psychedelics at this point of where I've been in situations that 
have been so deeply psychedelic and I've just been like cracking up and laughing and finding all the ridiculousness and all the, 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 like laughing at the inefficiencies and laughing at the the ways that we've just done things for, for so long because someone else told us to do it and just finding all the ridiculousness and the hypocrisy and, and, and the way that we just operate as human beings. And I think that that, I think that we should laugh at life more, laugh at the world more. And, and, um, and, you know, I don't know if it may be tough to balance like, you know, that idea of uh, bumper sticker wisdom of if you're not upset, you're not paying attention, which I think is true. But I think you can also say if you're not laughing, you're not paying attention because this shit is like ridiculous. And um, mm-hmm. and I and I and I and I check my privilege within saying that, that I can laugh at all the a lot of these things. And uh, to me, it feels like at the end of the day, the day when the day is over and you're dead, that's it. Yeah, that's it. You're dead. You're dead. Dead? I mean, I think I think joy is a protective energy. Yeah. You know, it's like it really protects us in a lot of ways. Um, and just like physically what it does, how it releases, you know, uh, I don't know everything that's going on when we laugh, but I know mm-hmm. that it's good for our bodies to mm-hmm. laugh, like orgasming. There's actually a function biologically. There's something happening. Mm-hmm. And then if you do this, two of them at the same time, it's, you got to look into it. It's kind of bad. It's great. Oh, laughing and coming at the same time. Yeah. It's wonderful. I've done it. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I, I, I actually have a very specific moment when I did it. Cause I was, I've been doing these like, um, uh, you know, via Morgan, uh, doing these like masturbation prayer, like, uh, focusing my mind on something that I want to cultivate uh-huh. in my life uh-huh. and like utilizing that energy, like utilizing the energy of my orgasm to like amplify this vision that I have. Mm-hmm. And so whatever it was, it was like, it was just kind of coming out in the moment, like this kind of free flow, free flowing poem almost. And, and then like the last line made me laugh. Like it was so funny. I don't even remember what it was, but it was so funny to me. And so I was like, right as I was orgasming, I was like laughing hysterically at this thing, this like kind of like prayer that I was saying. That's great. That's great. That's so wonderful. Protective. Um, Okay. There's three more. What terms of endearment do you enjoy? For people to give me or for me to give? Yeah. um, For people to give you. I like when like a, a waitress at a diner will call me doll. Doll. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I, I think uh, I don't think I really have any of those. That's a really really good question. Uh, it's always funny when people say that's a really good question is when they don't have an answer to it. <laughs> that's a really good question. Are you enjoying thinking about it? Um, I think that's what maybe makes a good question. Well, That's I think it's I so it's so contingent on who's saying it because it can come across one person can say sweetie, oh yeah, and another person can say it, and it can be like the grossest. So <laughs> I think it comes. It definitely feels like a uh, like our our generation. We don't have the the privilege of being using a lot of the terms of endearment that pe- people of the baby boomer generation like. I'm like literally thinking of like a waitress at like Bonnie Lou's, which is like a classic diner in town that they you know you could call me sweetie doll honey like all these things that just like makes you feel like makes you feel nice. Um, but our generation says it. It sounds really contrived. Yeah, and yeah. also like if it was reversed, if it was like an older man saying like calling me sweetie i'd be mm-hmm. like get the fuck yeah, away totally. yeah totally yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. context is yeah, important so that's it so yeah yeah that's if it's great. from the right mouth <laughs> great um what are you celebrating about our world right now 
God, I feel like I'm so removed from the world right now, but I'm trying to see, you know, from an outside perspective of what the general, as a reflector, what the, <laughs> what the things that are being put in. Um, and I, I don't really get a, I don't really get a, a solid grasp on like one feeling or another. I feel like there's still a lot of disharmony. There's still a lot of um, uh, contention, contentious between contention between um, these like kind of perceived ideologies and camps that people have firmly put themselves into so it's like these kind of warring factions among people it doesn't like i remember the first and i'm sure everybody does like the first whatever it was month of lockdown when people were playing violins and dancing on their roofs it's like that shit is like so far from it and i don't know if we're getting back with with way things are seeming to get a little bit better um that that will move back towards that kind of harmony but i feel like we're still in a very much a place where everyone's kind of in their own camps and hunkered down and, and, you know, suspicious of each other. And, and, you know, there's a, there's still like a level of, of, um, it's personal mistrust around like, I don't know what the right decision to make now is. And then, you know, you're, it just, it feels, it feels like we're, we're, um, a little ways away from, from harmony. And I think that that would be, uh, I hope that we can achieve some some semblance of that. It's just it just feels like things got in the past four years, things got so fiercely divided that finding even close place in the middle, it feels really far away. But that would be um, that would be amazing to get some sense of that. But I don't know if there's ever even been that like a world sense of community. Maybe that's what we're creating. Yeah, I hope so. It sounds like that's what you desire. I do. Yeah. yeah. Peace and love, brother. <laughs> harmony that's yeah. nice um i know something like that i've heard you celebrating about the world recently if i can oh, reflect please. yeah because i don't remember it of course um well just like in terms of what's going on with psychedelic research oh and, sure you yeah. know just yeah. like kind of where things are moving in that realm yeah it feels like there's been well there has been you know decades of misinformation disinformation propaganda that that pushed us really far out of of um progress amongst uh the psychedelic space being a place for therapy and for healing and so yeah definitely and, and i think you and i you know when we lived in the bay we had we had kind of a direct channel to that where it felt like oh my god like this you know it points during now like this is what the world needs and we need to like this needs to be everywhere and and i do agree with that to a certain degree but also recognizing that that's kind of like it's a it's pretty naive to think that you could just place that somewhere and it would be the thing and so i think getting uh getting like where we where we often put a lot of stock um for good and bad reason around like the medical community being the authority like if a doctor says it's okay then yes i'll take a psilocybin but if some fucking hippie comes up you know yeah. you don't trust the hippies so so yeah i think finding that that kind of a marriage between the two of getting you know the, the squares who who need all the the you know the solid scientific information and and the real woo-woo-y people who who say that science you know or whatever so just kind of again i guess finding that common ground where we can as we as vastly different people can find some central meeting point of like having our needs met and finding healing that's great yeah yeah i'm i have curiosities around like the reflector like what you kind of like the archetype of the reflector reflecting the community and i keep hearing you talk about this desire for harmony well i feel like i i try at least what it feels like to me and i don't do it with a lot of intention or effort but i i i revel in in when i have an opportunity to be to be the middle ground between the who take your pick on the opposing camps all around and to kind of be in the central center of the circle like for a specific example like the podcast that i do with jamie it's called mystical cynical jamie's 
for all intents and purposes, the mystic and I'm the cynic. And, you know, if you listen to the show, you'll find that it's like not, there's not like Darren, Darren's over here and Jamie's over here. There's like, you know, we kind of blend in the middle and that I've managed to, without a lot of intention where I've, I came on the the show we're about 20 episodes in where I was just like, when am I going to be able to like, when am I going to meditate? Like, when is it going to hit me? When is it going to become a thing in my life? And, and, you know, it's hilarious because it is just something you just start doing. There's not like a, a lead up or you have to do like a detox or anything to get to it. You just start doing it one day. And so when I started doing it and then a good friend of mine from back home, he, you know, he would self-identify as a total blue collar, just like, you know, have some beers on the weekend, watch football, just like that. Someone who would be, you know, for all intents and purposes, far away from someone who's spiritual. And he's found himself starting to dip into a meditation practice. And to me, that's just like, holy shit. Like I didn't int- intend for that, but that happened because I was at middle gap between the Jamie, the far off fucking woo-woo-y mystic and my friend Colin. And so to be that place where people can, Maybe I can dispel any sort of misconceptions or, or illusions around certain things. And that's why, like, I I don't ever, I feel like I don't ever, maybe someone could, people will see my work and be like, oh, that dude does psychedelics. But you wouldn't look at me and, and I'm not wearing tied eyes and all these like, <laughs> ways that just, you know, I think that, that just to be, to, to be front facing kind of a bit more um, uh, just, uh, uh, what's the word where things are just... <laughs> uh, neutral that's it neutral. yeah and so and then to and then to you know sit down and have a conversation with someone and, and lay it lay it on them and or talk about it on every fucking podcast i go on but just that <laughs> idea of of um yeah just being a, a central place where people can look to me and be like well if that dude did it or if that dude tried it like i'm a little bit more willing to do that yeah, yeah. i mean i think you signal like you're not signaling this far off like camp in in any direction yeah for sure yeah. for sure yeah yeah and i think that's also that's one of the things i appreciate about your way in the world too is that that kind of like skeptical calculated like curiosity yeah that you're like mm, i don't know about that like mm-hmm. i i i again i used to push against that so hard and now like in the this current season of life i'm just like I really appreciate that because there's a lot of bullshit out there. Yeah. There's a lot of bullshit. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a lot of, of well, I underneath that, like what is the bullshit? I think it's there's a lot of traumatized people who are under resourced mm-hmm. and are really trying the best they can with what they have. For sure. And like, yeah, same as me. Like, same as me. But having the discernment to like say, mm, not for me. Yeah. Or to be able to like be a neutral bridge and to be like, I'm not going to carry that Mm -hmm. and I can see it and hold compassion for it and understanding. And like, that's not my reality. Yeah. You know, like have to have that separation between is, is great. Yeah. Yeah, Beautiful. Inspiring. Thanks. Last question. What do you want to leave listeners with today? Hmm. Well, I think that, I think the kind of the overarching um, theme through here, through this, episode and also just in my life is that uh nothing lasts forever that if it feels like you're in the worst place in your life there's it just doesn't stay that way and also on the flip side if you're in the best place in your life it doesn't stay that way either so really that's kind of that was my mantra through through some really tough times is this won't last forever and it took that was to help me through difficult times and it also helps me a lot in in really great times because then it makes you be really present and appreciate that so much more. So I think that this, you know, nothing, nothing is, is permanent and that, uh, just ever changing. Yeah. It's beautiful. 
All right. How can we follow you? I mean, everyone's probably well, I'm going to leave the front you. door. So if you want to just walk out the, the pathway, <laughs> um, you can follow me on Instagram at real fun. Wow. Period. No, there's no period. There's no period. <laughs> <laughs> there's no period there. Well, it's just like, real know, like, fun. Wow. So, yeah. Like socials, like people have Twitter and Twitter and stuff. And I, yeah, you I have just, a podcast. Oh, you have a podcast. Um, and that's at mystical cynical on Instagram. And then the podcast on Apple podcast is mystical cynical. And uh, like you have a book and like a book. You got a couple. Do you want to promote any of that? Th- any uh, of those yeah, things? Sure. Uh, I have a, um, I have my own book, which is Real Fun Wild Collected Works, Volume One, which is a, a collect a, a collection of my works, as the title implies. <laughs> uh, it's like over two hundred pages. It was something that I put a lot of effort in, and and like wanted it, and very much in my nature of like, uh, I don't want to rely on somebody else, so I'm just going to do this myself. And so I spent a bunch of money and put it out. Self, it's weird to call it self-published because it doesn't really feel like that. I just bought a bunch of my own books, but. <laughs> Those are for sale on my website. Um, And then also most recently I did a um, collaboration, which, you know, it was kind of the antithesis of of the collected works. It's, it's called uh, life is right now. Uh, And it's uh, it's someone else decided to curate all of my, uh, they called it word art, which is the only thing term that feels the closest to what it is. It's like, I've taken words and said things that are, uh, I'm not going to use the word inspirational. They do that in the copy. And when I copied, <laughs> when I copied the copy and put it on my website, I took out the word inspirational. Because you got to be in the neutral. You got to be the center. not about to call my shit inspirational <laughs> by any means. Um, but that's 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 kind of the more affordable version of the collected work. So that one's like 30 bucks and it's something you'd have on the back of your toilet or on like a nightstand or something like that. And it makes a wonderful gift. Yeah. And that's available at intelligentchange.com. They're the makers of the five-minute journal, which people, you know, absolutely love. And I feel, I do feel really grateful that they they saw something in me and they saw, this was the first um they they haven't done anything other than the five minute journal and then they did my book so it's like it's pretty pretty extraordinary. yeah that's a big deal yeah that's a big deal yeah i don't know how it's doing i haven't made any money from it yet so <laughs> it's just out <laughs> there it's doing you well. know? yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh yeah that's it i mean on, on realfunwow.com all my stuff is available and i'm always constantly just trying to come up with new shit and do it in ways that are uh you know as sustainable as possible and and like the longevity aspect like beyond and i talk a lot about just things kind of being a bit more heirloomy and not just like flash in the pan. Like, um, I'm not going to cite any specific examples of that. I can. Can I? Please. No cell phone cases or like <laughs> future trash, as you call it. Yeah, future garbage. That future just, garbage. Like, that just ends up like people like on the, the hedonic treadmill where we get really excited about something and then how quickly it fades. I mean, talk about a fucking something like that being, you know, the, the perfect representation, a cell phone case where you're like stoked on it and then you don't even look twice at it. It's on your phone and then the new phone comes out and that thing goes in the garbage. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We can, uh, we don't have to list all the things I won't do. Um, <laughs> things I do. There's things I do do. <laughs> <laughs> um, or yeah trying to have like sustainable uh, apparel and and just you know cool stuff so yeah that's me darren yeah. mcgee darren mcgee darren thomas mcgee thanks i just wish we i wish i had a, a button on my hit, soundboard hit one of those buttons with wait no i I, okay. I wish that i had um Lu doing the wah wah oh, wah yeah yes that's yeah. there's it's so cute when they do it <laughs> <laughs> they were listening to Mystical Cynical yesterday and they heard you press it. Uh-huh. And they're like, Mamu, I listened to Wah Wah again. Oh, and they just wanted me to I... keep playing it over and over. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. Oh, uh, love that kid. Love that kid. All right. Um, yeah. Thank that's you so my, much. That's my greatest, that was my greatest collaboration was with you when we created Daily. Best collaboration. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to go off and keep creating. 
Yeah, wait till they have a podcast. Oh my gosh. I mean, they're primed for it. They yeah. come in the studio. They come from a family of podcasters. Come from a family of podcasters. They're already on two podcasts yeah. and they're not they're three years old. Awesome. Right. Well, like, yeah, thank you so much for, for, well, I guess I had the idea. Thank, thank you. Thank you for coming up with this. So I was the resistant one, which is feel like it's it hilarious. Well, it does, it does feel like it's, um, and I talked about this with Jamie where I was like, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast with Viana. And Jamie's like, well, great. We can finally talk about it. Like, I've, you know, in, 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 in interest of, of, you know, being um, aware of like how, how difficult and, and traumatic and all the ways that this is like, you know, kind of a, a minefield of potential harm. And I didn't want to perpetuate that and, and, you know, speak on anything that you and I hadn't talked about already and in, in ways that just feels like, um, I don't want to, there be to be any betrayal of trust or, or anything. And, and, and yeah, it's just like, it's, I think another kind of thing that feels like what I, what I hope to leave in the world. And I didn't, I haven't necessarily embodied and I'm only kind of coming into it now is something that my grandmother always just was, Nan was always just like, tell the truth. Mm. And like that, that like, I can hear her in her thick Brooklyn accent saying that. And as a child, not even understanding the, 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 the weight of that. And especially in your adulthood where, where so often we're, we're not only not, telling the truth to somebody else but we're not telling the truth to ourselves and and just believing our own lies and creating a whole false narrative around our fears and and you know just not being truthful to ourselves and so what this relationship has done and it it was painful and i went through it kicking and screaming was like the truth i mean it's it's always funny when these things sound so fucking cheesy but the truth will set you free it's so real though i mean but but it's the most hilarious thing when we arrive at that point Mm -hmm. from our lived experience Mm -hmm. and understand the phrase from within our body right to feel right it's not words anymore it's a feeling it's a feeling it's a liberation that is physical not a yeah 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 and that's why like the most simple things are the most difficult to grasp right because it's not just understanding the words it's living them for sure it's understanding how it is alive within us and how it lives in our decisions and yeah. in our relationships. It's like there, it, it's not simple. It's yeah. not simple at all. Yeah. You for know, sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome. And I, I feel like just where we are is, is, um, you know, like we've made this choice to keep referring to each other as partners mm-hmm. because we're in this process. We're in this, you know, we're, we're both committed to this process. Like, you know, our little hermit family just kind of putting up a bubble and being like, we're going to deal with this shit. Mm-hmm. We're going to deal with it. We don't know how long it's going to take. We don't know what we're, who we're going to be on the other side of that or what decisions we're going to want to make. We're just staying in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And right in this present moment, we're like, I'm your partner. But before I'm your partner, I'm my own partner. Mm-hmm. And like, we're going to figure out the rest of it, like along the way and just let it unfold. And that's, that is liberating. Like we're both holding up this mirror to be present and to just be in this moment so that we can tell the truth to ourselves and each other. Great job. Great job. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. All right. Before we get into creatively exploring, I first need to adjust some of my misquotes this week because there were a few. I stumbled a bit. First, a quote from Dr. Jen McCabe. I, the correct quote is, our preferences tell us where we are incompetent. This quote has changed my fucking life. So good. 
Our preferences tell us where we are incompetent. I still melt down a little every time I hear it. And the longer I hold these words, the more I understand them, the more they resonate as truth within me. And the first pass, I did not get it at all. I really, I literally just had to stop what I was doing and sit down and think about it for like 20 minutes. And it started to make a little sense and it's been months. So if you hear those words and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Maybe just pause and let it seep in a bit and keep coming back to it. I've come back to it now for a couple of months. And and again, it's making more and more sense as time goes on. I talk a little bit about it on my Instagram too. So if you're curious, you can head to my Instagram and look for the picture where I am against a blue wall, arching backwards, standing up. Um, I've got some like wool uh, yarn hanging on me and uh, a nude bodysuit. So I talk about that quote a little bit more in my experience with it in that post and also in the comments of that post. Uh, so one more time, that quote, our preferences tell us where we are incompetent. And one day I would love to have Dr. Jen McCabe on the show to talk more about it so that you can hear from her what it is that she means by that. The other quote that I really butchered and stumbled over is one from James Olivia. And this is still paraphrased, but it's a little more concise and clear. Uh, The right decision is whichever one you can live with the consequences of. This is where I was stumbling uh, around like uh, something with consequences. I don't remember how it works. So succinct. And again, this is still paraphrased, but much tidier. The right decision is whichever one you can live with the consequences of. Still, still hits me so deep every time. Okay, now it's time for creatively exploring your opportunity to digest today's episode through your own creative expression. We're going to do a writing exercise. So I recommend you either grab a journal and a pen or your laptop, or your phone, whatever you have access to. If you're driving, maybe you just want to take note of the time uh, where we are in the episode so you can come back when it's safe to and write down today's prompt. I want you to take a moment to consider your most difficult and unhealthy relationship, a place where you're struggling And the question is, what does it look like to take care of myself in this dynamic without expecting the other person to change? What does it look like to take care of myself in this dynamic without expecting the other person to change? You can set a timer to free write as you answer this or just let yourself flow for a certain number of pages. I do recommend giving yourself some kind of boundary so you allow yourself to dig in maybe a little deeper than you would without that boundary. Of course, you can go past it, but to hold the minimum, however long that is, five minutes, 20 minutes, two pages, five pages, whatever kind of boundary you want to set. And let yourself flow 
without thinking about grammar, without thinking about punctuation or spelling. Let your thoughts come out of you as you think them in your mind. And if you feel stuck, write exactly what you're thinking. I don't fucking know this. I feel confused. I don't, I've never considered this. Whatever it is, let it come out as you're thinking it. It's not a piece of writing that you need to do anything with. You can throw it in the trash when you're done with it if you want. The purpose is to get your mind oriented towards this idea and explore it a little bit within your own self. Again, if you'd like to share anything that's come up for you on today's episode, we would love to hear it. You can call in 1-833-2-RELATE, 1-833-273-5283. There is a two-minute limit on messages. So if you have anything longer, you can email at creativelyrelating at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, come over to patreon.com slash viananovis or follow me on Instagram at viana.novis. Music for today's episode was written and recorded by Zena Carlota at Z-E-N-A-C-A-R-L-O-T-A and mixed by Brendan Willing James at bwilling, B-W-I-L-L-I-N-G on Instagram. Thank you so much to everyone for receiving this very tender and emotional personal episode. (sighs) I feel so proud of us. Thank you to Darren. Thank you for receiving us. See you next week.